God gave me three holes for a reason, and that was for Ash, his chainsaw, and his sawed-off shotgun. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. You look so proud of me. Just the second you said I have three holes, I went, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) The girls who cried be Hi, everybody. It is now officially October. So this is our October episode, which if you haven't put it together yet from the opening or from the title, we will be covering Sam Raimi's iconic Evil Dead trilogy. And as always, I am Anya. I am Alex. Happy fucking spooky season, folks. Ooh, I'm so excited. Um... Yeah, we will be, you know, jam-packing this October episode because it's Halloween, so why not do three fucking movies in one? Exactly. I mean, I think that they all stand alone Mm -hmm. and have, you know, worthwhile merits to all of them, but they also work as a trilogy, so I'm excited to get into it. Um, Yes. What is your opinion on these films? I know that this was the first time you watched Army of Darkness, at least. Yeah, well, because Army of Darkness has always been so hard to find, I, f- I feel. Like, it was never streaming, and obviously, and maybe people disagree with me, I don't think it's as big as Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2. And so, I think there was also a period of time, definitely when I was younger, where I didn't realize that it was part of that trilogy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's the same guy. Like, same actor. Right. Um, you know, he, he's really into horror. Like, he does all these horror things. <laughs> I didn't put together that it was like, no, it's the third installation. Um, but I really like these movies. Um... I actually saw them pretty late in the game, I feel like, um, for uh, a horror fan. Because I didn't see the first Evil Dead until, um, oh god, when was it? My junior year of college. Uh, Actually, the first time that I was in L.A. Because um, it was a boy's favorite movie. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I have to fucking watch it. Um, (laughs) So I did. And I liked it. Um, And then I think it was honestly maybe like sometime later that I saw the second one. Rewatched the first one, saw the second one. Um, and yeah, they're just like so fun. Um, it's hard. It, it's it's kind of like the quintessential B-horror movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the quintessential like horror movie you have on like VHS. I mean, there's a reason that it's referenced in like so many other movies. I feel like in any movie, whether it's a horror movie or not, when they're like, you know, we're going to go to the video store. We should rent the Evil Dead. Like put it on and we'll scare the girls and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's just like, that movie and like once you've seen it you understand why it's the cabin in the woods movie absolutely yeah um but yeah i like them um they're definitely perfect like i i feel like they're definitely on like a lot of people's lists of like you have to watch it every year in Mm -hmm. october um and i completely get it what about you yeah i mean i think that i could see some people also being surprised that we're doing these films because we do exclusively in our main episodes talk about B-horror, but to me, this is, like, the ultimate B-horror film because the budget on the first one was so low. Yeah. And it's also just, like, fucking full camp. But they have become such iconic classics that I think a lot of people don't really realize how low the fir- how low the budget was for the first film because they are, like, you know, it's a big-name film. It's not, like, you know, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's fucking Evil Dead. Like, people hold that up with, like, Halloween and... Like, it's an iconic classic horror film. Right. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, as a horror fan, I'm sure people know. Like, right. you know. 
that it, because of the fact that it's such a big film, like, you know so much about it. There's so many people that, like, it's their favorite movie. They're obsessed with it. And, like, that's all wonderful. So they probably know all that. But it's more so, once again, like, a casual watcher. Or, like, someone who is, like, on the outer rims where you're like, well, yeah, everyone always talks about Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, the same way they talk about Halloween or whatever. And, like, those, to me, don't strike me as, like, B-movies. And no, it's, not like, at all. And debatably, when you get to Army of Darkness, in theory, I guess, to a certain... Listen, we already said on this podcast that we define B-Horror how we define it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get angry about it, you can get angry about it. Um, but debatably, in the terms of, like, the budget-wise and shit, when you get to Army of Darkness, that was, like, a big... Like, at that point, that was, like, a, a studio film mm-hmm. where, like, the other two weren't. Um but even still, because it's like, listen, we have to include it. It's the tail end of the fucking trilogy. And also, um, so much of, like, the campiness and all that shit is still, like, so intertwined into that. That, like, it's still be horror. I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to make that uh, disclaimer from the jump. But, I mean, right. also, another thing I want to say before I get into my experience with the films is, um, obviously... Annie and I are huge fans of the series because our incredible artwork that we have for this season yeah. is us as the Deadites, which I think is fucking iconic and amazing. So shout out to Ray um, again, who made our beautiful artwork that we love. Um, yes, thank you, Raymond Lowell. Um, it's, yeah. I cherish it so much. Literally when I was watching the first one again um, before we recorded, I was like, as always, my reaction so fucking tab. I was like, so good mm-hmm, they do. girlies look so good and then I was like oh. and we became them we did I know I love it <laughs> um but yeah I very similar to you I had not seen the evil dead until college which is surprising mm-hmm. um I don't really know how it slipped through my like my fingers and how I you know because I mean literally I watched like all the Halloween movies by the time I was like 10 so I don't know mm-hmm. how I missed evil dead but I saw it for the first time in college and I was obsessed with it I thought it was incredible and then Evil Dead 2 I watched when I went to visit Greg in LA when he was living out there and um mm-hmm. we had an edible and I had a very bad experience um, oh, Lord. it is like my number one like story to tell um I don't need to get into it because it's very dramatic but like I oh my god teasing us with this story I, I just like I just, it just like kept getting worse and worse. And I, I feel like Evil Dead 2 is like big on the list of like something you don't want to put on if you're having yeah. a bad experience on an edible. I like, I remember the main thing I took away from the experience was thinking that I was eight layers deep inside my body. And I stand oh, by that. I was, Lord. I was like looking up at myself from deep down. It was, it was, you were in the sunken place. I really, really, really was. Um, like I couldn't, I remember looking at like, I was trying to, like, be cool because, like, Greg and I had, like, just started dating and I didn't want to, like, be a fucking noob who, like, couldn't handle her fucking edible. So I was, like, you know, just watching the movie, pretending everything was fine. But in reality, I was, like, how do I breathe? In and out. Okay. And then I was, like, looking at, like, his door and then his, like, dresser. And, like, I could recognize everything as, like, individual units, but I couldn't recognize his room as, like, a whole space. It was was really bad. So uh, suffice that to say that I... Did not absorb anything the first time I saw Evil Dead 2. I couldn't remember a mm. thing. And then uh, I've now seen it two more times since. And now I understand the plot. Uh, I've right. fully seen it. And I enjoy it. Um, and Army of Darkness I had seen one time before. Because last Halloween, Greg and I did like a, a marathon of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think it's a bad film. 
But for me, it's definitely my least favorite of the trilogy just because it really, really leans into the camp. But I think it takes away a lot of the like fun gore that you get in the first two. Mm. And after a while, it just got a little bit old for me. I also like don't particularly care for medieval type plots. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a bad film by any means. I know it's a lot of people's favorite. It's super fucking campy mm-hmm. and over the top, but... You know, I love the magic of the first one that blends comedy and gore and horror so seamlessly together. And I think, especially for the budget that it was on and the fact that I'm sure you're going to talk about when you do background, that Sam Raimi was 20 years old when he made this the original film and Bruce Campbell was 21, is like such an incredible feat that they made such an mm, iconic movie yeah. at such a young age. So yeah, I try I, not to think about it because I'm 24 <laughs> and I feel like I've bitch, accomplished I'm nothing. I'm 30. <laughs> um... But yeah, well, it's funny that you brought up the thing about um, the first one in the comedy because I feel like something else that we don't, not that we don't understand, but we don't like think about is like when they put out that first one, obviously now it plays so campy, obviously, mm-hmm. to yeah. a point where it's like, of course, you're watching it, you're laughing, you're, and you're scared, and you're having a great time. But it's like that first one was not intended to be funny, <laughs> it was intended to be like scary. I think and, it's like, both. And I love that it's both, but it's like it because of those yeah. magical elements of being such a low budget B horror movie mm-hmm. that you make with just like people you know and money that you manage to scrounge together. Like, yeah, then of course parts of it play like silly over the top. So of course you're like, oh, of course they're trying they're trying to be funny. And it's like in the second one and in the third one, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The first one, there wasn't really like intention set forward to be like, and this is going to be goofy and funny. Right. It was supposed to be like this, like carnage in the woods. Well, I'm glad that there's a happy accident with that. There's yeah. some humor in there because I think it balances so perfectly. Yes, I agree. Um, so for anybody at this point, um, we're assuming that a lot of people have seen these movies. You're familiar with them. If you're not, or if you want to revisit, all three are currently streaming on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they weren't already on your October watch list, throw them on there um, so that you can fully understand our conversation about the films um but as always we know that there's people that sometimes listen because they're afraid of horror movies and they they want to be told everything about them blah blah blah. so you know you're all welcome as well um but alex in terms of that would you like to give a brief synopsis of the trilogy before we get into some fun facts i will do my best um because they are kind of all over the place so i will you know this is not going to be super in depth but this is my best attempt so Mm -hmm. the original film the evil dead uh, follows five friends. The main lead is Ashley Williams, or as he goes by, Ash, played by Bruce Campbell, who is the lead for all three films. His sister, his girlfriend, and then their two friends, another man and a woman. And they go to a cabin for the weekend just to like get away and have a good time. And when they are there, they discover this book in the basement called the Necromonicon, which is a like the Book of the Dead. And they also discover a tape recorder where... A, I, th- I forget if he's an archaeologist or like a professor or something, but he's mm-hmm. yeah. he's reading from the Necromonicon, and they isn't it the Necromonicon? Is it how do you pronounce it? Ne- Necromonicon is that not right? Is oh. it with an? I thought it was a Necromonicon. Fuck, ne- <laughs> it's Comicon. Necrom Necronomicon. Okay. Sorry, everybody. I'm they just make it like the most difficult thing to the pronounce. The Necronomicon. I'm just gonna say the Book of the Dead. Um, but it reads an incantation or the tape recorder recites an incantation and it, it it releases this evil spirit from within the woods and it like the woods become alive 
And essentially the plot of the film is just one by one, they become possessed by the spirit in the woods and it's mostly Ash and whoever is not currently turned into what they refer to as deadites, um, fighting them off and trying to survive the night. So that's the first film. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second film is very interesting and kind of difficult to explain, but because it is simultaneously a sequel, but it's also kind of a remake because I believe they couldn't Mm -hmm. get the rights to the, like a recap for the first film. So that instead the first 15 minutes of Evil Dead 2 is them essentially just remaking the first film, but very quickly. And it's only with Ash and his girlfriend who is played by a different actress But essentially, the first 15 minutes of the film play out kind of the same way as the entirety of the first film. The incantation is read. She gets possessed. He has to kill her, blah, blah, blah. And then it just becomes a fever dream of Ash fighting furniture that's talking and laughing at him, fighting his own demonic hand that becomes possessed. Um, You know, just it's just him in the cabin fighting off the demon in many different forms. Meanwhile, the daughter of the archaeologist whose cabin this is is coming to go see her father at the cabin with her friend who's like an associate professor and they all studied the book together and they come across two kind of like hillbilly type people who come with them they find ash they think that ash has killed her father and essentially once they realize what's going on the five of them then kind of do a similar thing to the first film where like each of them becomes possessed one by one they start trying to fight off the demons And they discover that there is this prophet or, you know, chosen one from 1300 AD who has stopped the Deadites and they're going to try to use that in these extra pages of the book they found, which is just foreshadowing for when the film ends and they've opened a wormhole and Ash gets sucked into it and you realize that he is the prophet from the pages and he gets transformed formed and you know moved back in time to medieval times and that's where the film ends army of darkness picks up where evil dead 2 left off where now ash is in 1300 ad and he is they it's it's very complicated there's like a medieval stuff going on between arthur and this guy named henry it's like two conflicting armies and they think that ash is a part of the enemy army so they're gonna try to kill him and then once he proves himself with his um boomstick aka his rifle um they kind of worship him and they tell him that if he can go find on a journey the necronomicon and bring it back to them so that they can stop the deadites that are currently like wreaking havoc in medieval times that they will help him get back to his time so the first half of the film is ash on a journey to get the book and it's very slapstick it's very over the top him fighting like miniature versions of himself fighting an, an evil version of himself that's literally born out of his shoulder and like becomes another person. And then the latter half of the film is the evil version of him that he has grown from his own body, kind of leading the Deadite army against him. And it's just, you know, your classic medieval sword fight between a bunch of skeletons and a bunch of white dudes. Um, and essentially, essentially, that is the the overall, as briefest as I could, synopsis of the trilogy. Mm, great. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, as always with these movies, you're not going to fully understand the experience no. unless you watch it for yourself and see it all. Um, but if, yeah, you needed a recap, there it is. Um, 
So why don't we go right into some fun facts, yes, which please. you fucking stole some of them. I'm already. sorry. I know. But you know what? I have a lot, so. I know. Um, but let's see. So these fun facts are kind of going to stream in, because I'm doing all three movies, y'all, um, are going to go kind of in order of the films, but they might get, you know, tangled up in each other. Mm-hmm. You know, just make sense of them how you can. Um, so at the so when they finished filming the movie, uh, the first one, the cabin that they shot in was this, like, original, like, abandoned cabin that they found, which, um, throwing it back to our Castle Freak episode, when we talked about how they stayed in the castle um, when they shot, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's, like, a dream, blah, blah, And to me as well, I was like, oh, my God, because the crew and cast for this, a lot of them, stayed in the cabin for the shooting of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so at first I'm like, oh my God, well that's the fucking dream to make like a horror movie like Cabin in the Woods and you stay there with everybody like, oh, so spooky. Um, it was miserable. Because I'm it was, sure it was. It was-, <laughs> it was like freezing and everything. It got to a certain point where um, they had to like burn furniture to stay wow. warm. Um, I believe it was 13 of them like, sleeping there together, like, sharing rooms. Um, they argued with each other all the time. It just, like, was, like, you know, we have um, Castle Freak on one end where it's, like, they're staying in a big castle. I'm sure they In Italy. Huge. They have their – in Italy, they have their own rooms. And they're, like, doing these projects of, like, writing out about their characters. Yeah. Character, like, the whole thing. And then this one, it's fucking all these people cramped into, like, the tiniest little cabin, like, at each other's throats. Like, I'm going to fucking kill you before this is done. As they're, like, <laughs> like freezing – not not the most ideal situation. Um, but when all was said and done, um, the cabin was destroyed, which for oh. a period of time, they didn't know why. Like, burned to the ground, whatever. And they literally thought, you know, stories about, like, oh, struck by lightning and blah, blah. Like, but um, I guess Sam Raimi came forward and was like, I burned the cabin down at the end of shooting. Um but the crew, because um, they shot this in Tennessee, so the cabin was in Tennessee, in the woods, uh, they had, um, at the end of principal shooting, they made this, like, little time capsule thing um, as, like, kind of, as a memento or whatever, and they put it um, in the fireplace, or they buried it on, inside the fireplace, mm-hmm. and then cut to cabin being burned down. The only thing that remains is the brick chimney like structure fireplace i don't know if they ever went back and retrieved the time capsule and also the whole thing about it because um it's been so vandalized like since then is that no one will ever give you like um exact directions of how to get there mm-hmm. i mean in general it's like in the middle of the fucking woods right. um but because it's just like unfortunately people ruin it for everyone um and, you know, obviously the more people that know about it, you know, the sooner than, like, even that last sliver of the Evil Dead cabin will be gone. So in order to preserve it, it's, like, this, like, hidden secret of, like, no one will tell you how to get there, which kind of, like, adds to the fun, like, spooky mm. oh, lore yeah. of it all. So to talk about um, the money issues in this first film, um, the film literally ran out of money when it was, like, halfway completed um, in the winter of 1980. So... In classic, like, young filmmaker, indie filmmaker, independent filmmaker, whatever the fuck you want to call it, fashion, um, 
they had to Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and Rob Tappert um, had to come together and do everything they could to raise money. So they took out like high interest bank loans. They borrowed money from friends and family. Bruce Campbell literally put up his family's property that was in Northern Michigan um, as collateral so that oh, wow. they could finish the film, and also so they had the money or. Rather, so Sam Raimi had the money to blow it up to 35 millimeter because that was what was required to release mm-hmm. it theatrically. Um, and Sam Raimi was so grateful that he made Bruce Campbell a co-producer on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they did like cold calling people to like businesses from their hometown. Um, yeah, I had heard that um, it was mostly like mostly um, financed through like a GoFundMe type thing where like family and friends were like pitching in and helping them out which I think is really wonderful. Right. I mean this was GoFundMe before there was like hey follow this link. It was like Mm -hmm. you have to individually go to each one of these people and be like please if you love me give me some money please. Do you believe in me? Literally. Um, But yeah and then they it worked. They got the money to finish the film. They also got um, catering and gasoline and other necessities they needed for the cast and crew. So it was like to a degree, you could say, like, this movie was, like, finished, you know, by the grace of God, but also it was by the grace of, you know, fucking putting in the work and being, like, if you want this movie to get finished, you're going to have to do the uncomfortable shit of, like, groveling for that cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it is very commendable. Um, and something commendable about Bruce Campbell is that when they were filming, or excuse me, during the filming of the first film, when there wasn't any filming, or I guess rather scenes that possibly he wasn't in, he would actually help out the crew to, like, prep shots and different things and, like, help around the set. Um, So he wasn't, I mean, obviously, as you said, he was very young, like, first movies for all of them, you know, so he wasn't this big star, like, I'm not on screen, I'm gonna, like, (laughs) sit back. Like, he was very much hands-on, and, like, it just shows, like, the love and the passion that went into making this. Like, that it was, like, I will do everything at every moment to, like, help out to make sure that this runs as smoothly as possible. Still didn't run that smooth. It was a shit show. But you know what? We got magic from it all. Um, Also, a fun fact about something specifically in the movie is that um, in the original script, um, when the characters are first listening to the tape, they were supposed to be smoking uh, marijuana. Mm -hmm. So the actors decided for the scene they would actually – smoke it and get high for the scene Mm -hmm. but then they had to essentially take all that out and reshoot it because apparently their behavior was so uncontrollable oh i love it's just like how much did they smoke like that they like were so incoherent that they were like fuck well because they're all like 20 year olds like making a fucking crazy movie high off their ass like oh my god that sounds so much fun so um then at the premiere for The Evil Dead, uh, this is fun, they had a blood donor station. Um, so if you gave blood, you would get free tickets. Um, oh. And you would get a pin that said, like, I bled for The Evil Dead. And I think the whole thing, like, one of the producers or somebody said it was because, like, it was their way of, like, giving back after, like, all the fake blood they used in the movie. <laughs> um, which is so fun. Um Bruce Campbell um, didn't have it easy on this set. At one point, a cameraman slipped during the filming and uh, smashed his camera into Bruce Campbell's face and knocked out several of his teeth. Oh, wow. Um, Which, that is, that's brutal. Um, And then, to finish it off for the first one, um, with the blood, the blood was a combination of caro syrup, Mm -hmm. non-dairy creamer, and red food coloring. That makes sense. If you've seen the film, um, by the end of it, Bruce Campbell, Ash, is covered, soaked, like, through his shirt, like, and all of this, it's all over. And his shirt, 
in real life was so saturated with this fake blood like concoction um that after he like took it off at one point to like dry it by the fire Mm -hmm. because obviously as we said it was fucking freezing cold there whatever that the shirt solidified (laughs) and when he tried to put it back on it broke that's amazing i love um so moving on from there to the second film something we brought up to throw it back to another episode we've already done to um Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King was a huge part of why this film got made. So although you might think like, oh, obviously the first one became such a cult hit, you know, making the second one would have been so easy. Financially, there were still issues. They still needed like money and help. And Stephen King came to the rescue because as we said, as a fun fact with that episode, Stephen King was such a fan of The Evil Dead and he was working with Dino De Laurentiis, who was producing Maximum Overdrive, that he took Dino out to dinner and convinced him that he should finance Evil Dead 2. So on Stephen King's recommendation, they got the financing that they needed to complete the film, which is so iconic. Um, Something else you brought up was, yeah, a lot of people consider this, um, to to a degree, a remake. um, And the way that you're supposed to view it, because of the whole thing, is like, yeah, they couldn't get the rights to obtain, because they wanted to start the movie with a recap of, like, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. Couldn't get the rights. So they were like, okay, well, then, like, anyone else coming into this, maybe, you know, isn't going to know what the fuck's going on. So they, they recap it, but, like, you would expect them, I guess, to, like, recap it and, like, maybe be silly and, like, sure, yeah, it's, like, other actors and then Bruce Campbell again, but, like, doing, like, a quick recap of everything. They don't quite do that. They literally just, like, they're, like, okay, we're going to, like, make the only, like, important things, not even. They literally, yeah, it's, like, Bruce Campbell in the car, this time just his girlfriend, not his girlfriend, his sister, and, you know, two other people. Um, And they get to the cabin. Almost instantly, the tape is played. Instantly, his girlfriend is turned to a dead eight. Decapitates her. Um, And then, kind of after all that hullabaloo, where the first movie ends is, like, Ash has, like, defeated all of it, and he walks out into, like, the daylight, and then, like, the camera does the classic, like, like, zooming in on him, and he's screaming. So you're supposed to, I guess, like, at the end be like, oh, did he actually make it out or not of the first Mm -hmm. one? The second one is supposed to be like, okay, so, like, in theory, like, yeah, all that stuff from the first one happened, and then Ash is still at the cabin, though, and then, essentially, when he went outside, he got possessed, and that's, like, where, in theory, the new stuff starts in the second one. Yeah. Um, it's, like, a little confusing, but you know what? At the end of the day, they don't give you time, honestly, in the second one to, like, be bothered, to be like, wait, I don't understand just because, like, shit hits the fan immediately and you're just in it for the wild ride, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah, it it is fun that it is, like, okay, so... Because without that context, you're like, okay, it's a sequel. Why the fuck would Ash come back to this cabin again? Right, right. Um... And then when you realize that the girl he's talking to, um, he's calling her uh, Linda. Laura, right? Linda, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Linda, um, which is the name of his girlfriend in the first one. And you're like, either he has a type and it's exclusively Linda's, or <laughs> this is the, supposed to be the same person, but it's played by somebody else. Well, yeah, because there's which also in the, the third one with the, like, uh, his, the magnifying glass necklace that he gives her. I think that's also supposed exactly. to, like, you know, prove always the same, same characters. The same just Linda, like, yeah. Yeah. And then in the third one, Linda is still played by somebody else. Correct. Um, so at that point, it feels like it's a gag. Like, maybe they didn't get the actress back, but also it's just well, like, I know they every time it'll be played by Linda. Yeah, I know that the, the reason they didn't cast the same actress for Linda in part two is because she 
I think she was pregnant at the time, so she couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why they cast a third person for the Army of Darkness, but again, like these movies were all like five to seven years apart, and also Linda's character in Army of Darkness is like a scene, so you know, whatever doesn't yeah. really matter. Um, in the scene when Ash is in the basement, this is after they've thrown him down there because they think he's the killer. Um, there's a rat on the stairs, and he was known as Senior Cajones. What? Yeah, just a little fun fact about the rat. <laughs> That's what the crew called him, Senior Cajones. Um, and then um, in the scene when Ash goes to the tool shed because he's going to carve up um, Linda's head with the chainsaw, um, mm-hmm. you can see uh, hanging above the door in the tool shed Freddy Krueger's glove. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is because in A Nightmare on Elm Street, which came out in 1984, um, there is a television screen um, playing the Evil Dead. So it was like, Evil Dead comes out, Nightmare comes out, and they reference Evil Dead slightly. And then to pay homage to them for doing that, they paid reference to A Nightmare on Elm Street. I would love to add to that because even to go even further back, the reason that Wes Craven had a scene of Heather, or not Heather Lane Camp, Nancy, watching Evil Dead in Nightmare on Elm Street is because in the original film, The Evil Dead, there's a poster of Hills Have Eyes in the basement. Yes. So it's like Sam Raimi being like, like shout out to Wes Craven. Wes Craven being like, I'm going to throw it back to you. And then Sam Raimi being like, great, I'll throw it back again. And there's like playing volleyball. It's so cute. Well, to bring it back even further. Oh my God, yay. Because the reason there is a ripped Hills Have Eyes poster is because, and I haven't seen, actually I saw the Hills Have Eyes pretty recently, actually. I rewatched it. Um, but I don't remember the specific thing. But in Hills Have Eyes, there's a ripped poster at one point of Jaws, mm-hmm. which I guess was, I don't know if Wes Craven said this or it was an interpretation, but it was interpreted or whatever that that was Wes Craven's way of saying, like, this movie, The Hills Have Eyes, is scarier than Jaws. Ooh. So then when they put the ripped Hills Have Eyes, they were like, okay, this is our way of saying that, like, Evil Dead's going to be even scarier than The Hills Have Eyes. Hell yeah. So it started, it feels like a little bit like, I'm going to outdo you, and then turned into, like, you know what? It's love. We're just going to keep tossing it back and forth. So layers. Layers to Because Wes Craven is love. I mean, ugh. I can't say enough. Uh, good things is about love. Him. He is life. Um, and then, of course, we have Army of Darkness, the third mm-hmm. installation into um, the Evil Dead trilogy. It was originally supposed to be called the Medieval Dead. Which I is know. Genius. Why would everybody you call yeah. that? I know. Everybody that finds that out or knows that already is always like, "So I'm confused as why it wasn't called that." And you can blame Universal Pictures. Yeah. They were the ones because Sam Raimi wanted to call it that. Universal Pictures was like, "No, blah blah." fucking idiotic it's not Um, army of darkness is like a bad name it's a fine name but like when you have a movie that is the third in an evil dead series and your setting is medieval times like it's just handed to you it's so perfect do it oh it's so frustrating um in japan though um the film was released as quote captain supermarket (laughs) i guess because ash works at a supermarket prior to any of this happening that's amazing um Somebody else that we've definitely referenced. Actually, I think we definitely referenced him last October, at the very least for our um, tangential tear on the Blob remake, is that horror icon Bill Mosley is uh, in this. He, he plays, yes, um, he plays the Deadite Captain. So that's not Evil Ash, the guy mm-hmm. that like Ash ends up, whatever. It's like one of, when they get to like the army scene. If you like literally Google it, like you'll see a picture of it. It's different, but like he's just like one of the Deadite, like kind of like, 
half skeleton, half corpse thing. He has yeah. like a hat on that has like horns. But um, yeah, it's just like iconic. It's like him and Linnea Quigley, like always yeah, just like randomly being in shit. I um, love him. And that's why they're legends. Um, and then lastly, um, there was an alternate ending to this movie mm, yes. that was supposed to set up for a fourth movie in which um, instead of Ash getting sent back to his time, he wakes up in post-apocalyptic England and the plot of the fourth film would be him battling the Deadites in an apocalyptic world or rather post-apocalyptic world. Um, but the studio was like, no, like that's too depressing. Mind you, it's fucking Evil Dead. Get a grip. Yeah. Um, so they made the other ending in which he goes back to his time. He's in the supermarket working there again. And then he realizes he didn't quite say the words he was supposed to to, like, kill the Deadites. And now they're in modern times. Which, although it doesn't set up for the fourth movie, it did set up for then the series that came out, like, a few years ago, Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Which I I haven't watched it because I think it, like, is on Stars or some shit I don't have access to. Would love to watch it. Um, but I believe it picks up right where the third one kind of, like, leaves us. Where okay. it's, like, he's in, like, regular settings now. But, like has to deal with the deadites on a regular basis. Um, and yeah, that's some behind-the-scenes goodies for you on the trilogy. That's so frustrating. That's just like another example of why studios fuck up artistic vision because I would have loved. Because I, I believe that there is a director's cut where Sam Raimi like, did film that alternate ending. I think it's like 10 minutes longer where he does – it's very similar to like – it reminds me of like Planet of the Apes when like, you know – he sees the Statue of Liberty and he realizes that, like, they're on Earth. Um, so I think that there is that version somewhere. And I would love to see it because that would be the reality I would like to live in. Because, I mean, for, I, I understand people wanting things to get, like, wrapped up and be nice and, like, not, you know. Sometimes you want a satisfying ending. But, like, honestly, more times than not for me personally, when I'm watching a horror film, like, I kind of like when it ends with just chaos and devastation like I don't need a happy ending I'm not going into a horror mo- movie to see everything come together and people be all right like unless it's a slasher film and I want like the final girl to survive like I'm okay with shit kind of hitting the fan and ending on like a, a sour sad note so a little bit of a bummer for me but you know what yeah. can you do yeah I mean the, the way that I feel which we'll get to it about Evil Dead 3 Army of Darkness I don't know that particularly I would want a fourth installation and that's nothing against this franchise it's just like what works for me about it is the cabin in the woods bit yeah me too I don't need it in another setting whether that's medieval times or Mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic so I feel like once again I haven't seen the show to speak on it but it feels like kind of the direction the show went if it were to continue is more so what I would want if anything Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, well, you know, speaking of, like, fucking Sam Raimi and these fucking studios always interfering, you know, something iconic from, I mean, I guess both of our, like, growing up, um, the Spider-Man trilogy, mm-hmm. um, and if you know, like, the third movie, which is, like, you know, you can love it, but, like, you can also recognize that, like, it's a hot fucking mess. Like, it's, it's not good. Um, sorry if that's really upsetting to some people. Whatever. I'm like a huge Spider-Man fan, so I say this with nothing but love and respect in my heart. Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man. Um, but because the whole thing where it's like, they, they fucking, they add so many, like, they fucking add in, like, Venom, and then it's like three different movies are happening, and it's because, like, the studio or whatever was like, that was their choice. And then Mm -hmm. I don't know, I knew at one point the kind of story, and then it's, you know, 
I can't store too much in my brain at once. It's very tiny. Um, but the whole thing was essentially like Sam Raimi being like, okay, then fuck you. And kind of being like, then you're going to get what you get. Like, and it's yeah. this. That's Russell But that's the curse of the Spider-Man movies. They always get to um, three and no more. Hmm. Well, I don't need more, honestly. I'm good with three. So, anyways, I mean, Tom Holland might... How many fucking... Oh, this I have no idea. One that's coming out. It's the third one that's Not coming my out. Genre. So, after this, we'll see if he makes it past. Anyways, um... But there was something I did read about how, like, there's a Marvel comic called, like, Marvel... Marvel Zombies or some shit. Where it's, like, the Marvel Universe, there's zombies in it. And apparently, like, Ash makes an appearance in it. Mm-hmm. And is revealed to be the reason why there's zombies in that universe. I don't know. I read it and I was like, I could write this fact down. But, like, Alex fucking hates Marvel so much. I really do. I'm not going to bring it up. And here I did. And I brought it up anyways. Um, but I guess it's time to get right into that first iconic film, which is The Evil Dead. Released in, when? 1980? 1981. Yes, 81. Um, yeah, and there's just so much to unpack here. As we said, this is, like, the OG cabin in the woods film um which you just have to pay so much respect to because like i mean people could argue but like in my my, in my head i'm like and honestly there there might be like other maybe like very lesser known like cabin in the wood films before this but like this is like one of the ones where it's the same argument where it's like jaws right like there was obviously shark movies before jaws um jaws put the fucking shark movies like above and beyond in the next level which is what evil dead did for a cabin in the woods film Mm -hmm. um which then of course you get so many greats after that like you know um cabin fever cabin in the woods like all this fucking grand shit that's delicious um but i mean where to start where to start with a film like this i mean i guess one place we could start is that there's a final boy there is. Which is so much different than I mean, so many horror films in general. I feel like this setup with everything that happens, even how it plays, where it's like, he's very sweet. He's a very sweet boyfriend. He's not, like, pushing sex on his girlfriend. He, like, gives her, like, a gift, blah, blah. Like, they're very in love. Um, and then, yeah, slowly, one by one, his sanity is put to the test by, like, slowly killing off his friends, putting him through the most disgusting, terrifying traumatizing situations until at the end very final girl-esque he is covered in blood he is not the same as when he started so i think that's that's very interesting that we get a switch up from that um and i'm not mad about it i'll say i'm not mad about it yeah i mean i don't know if it was something that was done intentionally um or if it if it was something that just like you know he was just really good friends with Bruce and wanted him to be the star of his film. But I mean, I think it, it works really well. And I think it's really funny that you brought up his like his character essentially as being like a really sweet, kind, loving boyfriend. Because for me, and this might be a controversial take, I find that as the films go on, I like Ash less and less. Personally, oh God, yeah, we're going to get into it. Because he gets kind of misogynistic as the series goes. Like, I just don't like the way that he treats women by the time we get to Army of Darkness, especially the woman who, uh, played by Miss Honey, um, mm-hmm. who, I, I can't remember her name in this moment, but, um, like, she's the love interest in Army of Darkness. And I just don't particularly care for the way that he speaks to her in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even, like, little moments of it in Evil Dead 2 before he kills his girlfriend 
where I'm sure it was just like a product of its time and like it's him being like he thinks he's being charming and cute but like to my current modern ear like I don't enjoy it so I love his character the most obviously in the first film because you know he does seem just like a nice average kind human being and so I can really root for him and I guess you know by the time the second and third one come along like you were so you know indebted to him and like you're used to him and you love him as yeah. like an, an icon so I think you can let some of that go but it does rub me a little bit the wrong way at times I mean I definitely have thoughts about that which I will reserve because a lot of them come within the third film mm-hmm. um but yeah in this one he's he's easily the most likable. well I didn't find him particularly unlikable in the second one it's just like at that point he's yeah. beyond the brink of like insanity mm-hmm. um so it's just kind of like mm-hmm, he's not right in the head um but yeah, in this first one, and it's debatable that like, you know, it's not like they give, I mean, these movies are very short and it's delicious. It's so easy to do a triple feature because they're each like fucking 80 minutes or mm-hmm. some shit. Um, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of character development going on with the characters in this, Ash included. He is very much just like, you know, cardboard cutout of like the boy next door boyfriend. So, which to a degree, you could argue a lot of these like, you know churning them out like horror movies like slashers that's what you get in your final girls like you know churn like very like cookie cutter yeah, you want girl the, next like, door. you want the character that like you can envision yourself being and like someone that is relatable to you so that you can put yourself in their position you know yeah so giving them yeah exactly the least amount of like very specific yeah. character notes makes it easier or yeah you can project you can like then build it up in your own mind of like sure that could be me and then like adding your own person exactly it's exactly yeah. that um but i guess yeah as the series goes on and ash is clearly going to be our vehicle through all three then there's a sense of like I want to know more about who Ash really is. Mm, like, what's yeah. he really like? Which, once again, we, we'll, we'll say for the third film, because that's very much what they do there. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I get it. I get the desire to do that from both people that were making the movies and people that were watching the movies desiring it. But I don't know. For me, and this is nothing against Ash, love Ash, but what I don't watch the Evil Dead movies because I'm like, Ash is my favorite. Like... I watched Evil Dead movies for the crazy Deadite shit. Like, yeah. so it's like, I don't need Ash to ever be anything more than just kind of this, like, stupid man character that's like, fuck, I gotta do this again? Like, that's just funny at that point. Like, yeah, great. Like, I don't ever need, like, him to be developed further, um, which I'm sure is controversial for some people. And honestly controversial for me because I feel like I'm always the one that's like, I want character, I want story over, like, the gimmicks or blah, blah, blah. But, like, when it comes to fucking B-horror, like, give me the fucking gimmicks. Like, yeah, well, I feel like a lot of that comes into play, too, because not to say that the scripts are not super long, but I do think that most of all of the films focus way more heavily on the action, the comedy, the gore, than they do on, like, actual character development or dialogue between characters. I mean... A big chunk of Evil Dead 2 is literally just Ash alone in the cabin. So there's not any real dialogue happening unless like something is possessed and it's speaking to him. So, you know, I don't think that they relied super heavily on scripts and dialogue and stuff like that, which I think is great because it gives you more time to focus on all of the fucking practical effects and gore and which is what makes this movie so incredible. I mean, the makeup in Mm. the original Evil Dead. 
for all of them is so good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are definitely moments where you can see that it's super low budget. Like there's a moment very early on when Cheryl is the first person to get turned and she immediately looks so good. Her eyes are white. She has like this really great makeup. She's like floating and speaking in like this demonic voice and they throw her down into the cellar, which is like one of the most iconic images of like her trying to break out of the cellar. Um, but when they kick her down there, it like cuts and it's just this like weird old witch dummy head that's like coming up from the cellar. And you're like, yeah, how did that like her makeup changes so many times throughout the film? But for me, they all work because they're all so scary and gross. Like I would think if you're going to do demonic makeup in a low budget film, I wouldn't personally think it's going to come out super great, but I think it fucking rocks. I think all of them look amazing. They genuinely scare me. Like, I think Linda's is super campy and fun because she's, like, the like the one that's, like, giggling all the time and, like, laughing and having, like, just a really fun yeah. time. But, like, Cheryl is genuinely frightening to me. Like, when she's, like, banging the cellar door trying to get out and she's, like, egging Linda on. And like, yeah, yeah, get her, get him. I think it's so scary. It works so well. I think something that really works well about these movies, I mean, it's, one again, it's the charm of it all. It's low budget or whatever. But... I, kind of on a weird psychological level like like you're saying like the way that like the makeup or like the, the whatever of the deadites like isn't quite always the same and it can change from moment to moment and then like they don't even look like the same character anymore like or even the same deadite character almost like works I would say in this and in Evil Dead 2 to like add to that sense of like kind of like crazy like when you're watching it where you're like I, I think it's something really interesting about the deadites whether it's intentional or not, is that, like, they're these creatures that are just, like, pure evil or whatever that, like, they, they it isn't just, like, and this is what a deadite look like. This is what they look like. And they stay that way the whole time. It's just, like, kind of, like, even by accident, like, almost, like, constantly, like, slightly changing and transforming. It's just this, like, entity of evil taking any, like, form it can. And, like, as you see, especially in the second one, like, it will take any form that it can and it just works so well I feel like to add to like the mayhem and the madness that Ash must be feeling in his head and what it's like to experience this and like it just like breaks you down but yeah I mean the Deadite makeup is so good as you said Linda she gives me very much um Linnea Quigley in Night of the Demons with this bit where, like, you know, Linnea's, like, in the bathroom, like, rubbing the fucking lipstick all over her face. Like, that's kind of the same vibe. Like, they would be besties. Um, but, yeah, love Linda. She's an icon. Um, I, I mean, yeah. The Deadites, obviously, as we already said, are what make this. Um, but also something about this film that I love, and you kind of brought it up, um, is, yeah, like, the practical effects. Like, obviously, the practical makeup, which, one, I didn't bring this up, the contacts that they had to wear were, the white contacts, covered the entire eye, and they were glass, like, thick-cut glass, so they were oh so God. painful. Yeah, and they couldn't um, keep them on their eyes for more than 15 minutes because the eyes would dry out. So, once again, just talking about this first movie being, like, painful to make, they slaved and they sacrificed for us. Um... But yes, um, the practical effects, whether it be like, yeah, like shoving the dummy head into the basement, like, which is once again, like I was saying earlier, like when you watch it now, you're like, oh my God, that's funny. Like, that's so silly and funny. But it was just like, 
less so intentionally funny and more so like this is the product of like a 20 year old trying to make his first film with like limited amounts of money with like any anyone and anything he could scrounge together so yeah we have to just fucking kick a dummy head down there because we can't kick the actress's head down like it is what it is and as i said a million times now it's what adds to the charm of this film um so much so that then it feels like there were so many movies afterward that just like tried to I mean obviously as we said you know inspired Cabin in the Woods movies but I just feel like there were some movies after this that like wanted to capture that charm of the low budgetness and you know some of them worked and some of them it's just like it doesn't work if you're trying you know like if you're trying to make it look like the evil dead it's not gonna work it has to just like come out with that magic of the evil dead or it doesn't um but something specifically about this first film that I fucking loved um was that I forgot about completely was in this. I don't know how the fuck I forgot until I was watching it today. Is the stop motion? Mm, yeah. Oh my god. That. I mean, I'm a sucker for stop motion. I fucking love stop motion, and it falls into the category of practical effects for me. Um, but near the end, um, when oh, I can't remember who it is. It's like two of them. Two of the deadites it's, are dying. Um, I believe it is. It's the it's Scott the friend yeah and i want to say it's cheryl at that point um and if it's not cheryl i think so then it's um if it's not cheryl no it's definitely it's Scott's cheryl. girlfriend okay I, i'm pretty positive it's cheryl but yeah it's like they're getting killed and like literally it becomes this like close-up of like their face like kind of like melting and disintegrating and it's clearly stop motion but it's like so it just adds to the creepiness of it all. Um, and then, like, their bodies are, like, oozing out, like, this, like, porridge-type material. It's disgusting. It's just, like, so much in this one sequence alone of, like, we get to stop motion, and I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot about this. This was amazing. This was so fun. Because it's one of those things in general. Um, and some – and I remember watching a video about this one time where it's, like, anytime you have, like, a certain medium, and then out of nowhere you, like, switch what the medium is, mm. it's, like, jarring and it makes people uncomfortable. And, like, I remember growing up, like, Courage the Cowardly Dog, what a fucking banger of a show, did it a lot. And that's why it worked so well where there'd be these scenes of, like, they'd cut away and it would be, like, oh, all of a sudden it's, like, CGI or kind of animation <laughs> or, like, the 3D animation instead. Or it would be, like, stop motion and – immediately your re- your bodily reaction is like no this isn't right this is not right I don't want to see this um even though normally if you watch something stop motion you wouldn't be like this is creepy you know just off the bat so that's what works also in this moment is like obviously the whole time it's like live action like people and then all of a sudden like cuts and it's close up but it's just like stop motion-esque like face like deteriorating and it's so good but then yeah it goes from that to then like the bodies oozing out porridge which is also just like so fucking gross and then demon claws like shooting out of like, yeah, their demons and shit Oh, yeah. So it's just, like, it gets to the point where it's, like, as always, like, that third act where everything is, like, amping up to the 10th degree. And it's just, like, they threw in every trick they had at that point. And, yeah, it's just, it just works perfectly for me. It's so campy. Whether intentional or not, it is so campy. And it is so fucking fun. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I find that, like, I know that there was a lot of censorship issues that Sam Raimi had to deal with for this first film. Um, yeah. Which then led into, you know, him having to cut back a little bit in Evil Dead 2. And then in Army of Darkness, there's almost no gore whatsoever. There's, like, one sequence of blood shooting out of, like, a pit. But that's really the yeah. only time you really see blood in the third film because he had so many censorship issues. Um, because fucking 
censorship people are fucking horrible and just I think let there was us like a, show shit. a huge thing for the first one about he was like Germany in a lawsuit specifically yeah. yeah like it was germany specifically like had a whole fucking i, I was like glazing it and i was like this is too fucking long yeah. to go into he, like, for the pod he got but... into like lawsuits over and then so for the second one he didn't want to have to do the same thing and like deal with it again so he cut back but what i love so much about the first film is all the gore because it is so over the top with like the makeup and the blood and everything and i think when you go to that final sequence where they are like their skin is like melting away like it's so it's so different than the rest of the gore because the rest of the gore for me is like campy and fun and and like it's a little bit gross but it's not gross in the way that these deaths are gross with like the literal like chunky wet yellow like it looks like vomit but also looks like oatmeal it's so gross and like then there's like bugs coming like cockroaches coming out too and it's just like there's it's they're like what is something that can make people like nauseous Mm, let's put it together and just like end cockroaches and vomit yeah so i mean it's fucking gross but i love that kind of shit i mean i'm i want to be uncomfortable i want if i'm watching a horror movie i want to be scared and uncomfortable and like squeamish and grossed out and that doesn't happen very often but i do find that yeah the stop motion really does that for me it makes me feel very icky inside and i i'm just obsessed with it i love it so much i think sometimes when you don't have the budget it forces you to be more creative and use things that maybe look more natural and more disturbing when put in that context and i feel like that's this is a clear example of that of like they clearly didn't have a lot of money or things to work with but what they got in the end is so effective yeah i mean clearly it's already this first one stood the test of time Mm -hmm. and like what's so awesome kind of what we brought up before is like the fact that they were like so young when they made this it's so when you really stop and think about it and i put my own jealousies aside like we, like I really do think, and I'm sure I'm 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 absolutely sure I'm not alone in this. That like this will, even beyond our own lifetimes, be recognized as one of the greatest like horror films ever made. Of course, genuinely, like I'm not fucking around at all. And it's just nuts that it's like this horror movie that was made for like scraping the bottom of the barrel for whatever they could get, you know, by a twenty year old, like. Yeah, and I mean, That's, I think, it's just unbelievable. I think a lot of that too just has to do with like how strong his direction was at such a young age, even because so many of the shots are iconic. I mean, the like the first person POV running in the woods of the demon is iconic, and it's he did that in so many different ways. I was reading that you know they put it on like I know the the last sequence in the end of the film when he the demon like runs through the entire cabin and then goes out to ash outside. Which obviously you're not seeing anything. You're seeing the, from the perspective of the demon. It was Sam Raimi riding a bicycle through the cabin and then like into Bruce. And it just works so well that like finding these and ways. That's why to, it's like so wobbly. Yeah, shit. like yeah. using the handheld camera, finding, you know, creative, unique ways to get these kind of shots that make you feel like you are in the perspective of the demon, making it feel more like real and like centered. And it's just, it's a little bit off-putting because like, it is the shaky cam and it, it just makes it all like so much more scary to me. And I think there's so many shots in that first film where like, and he has, you know, his iconic like zooms, like he does a lot in um, the sequels, a lot of like really quick push-ins of like mm-hmm. very quick cuts. And it's just, he's 
it's clear that he had a very specific style that he has developed over the years. But I, I do think that a big part of why Evil Dead is so like renowned and admired is partially because of how well it's made, just like technically. Like it's shot mm-hmm. so beautifully. It's, it's obvious to anyone watching it, whether you watched it when it came out or when you watched it, you watch it now, that it's made with love. Mm-hmm. Like it's made with so much love and that it, it that truly does translate onto the screen and into the viewing. So like that hand in hand with everything that you're saying, like that's what it is. Like that's the magic of it. Funny enough, for a movie that is the Evil Dead and everything that it contains, what what makes the special sauce of Evil Dead is the love that went into it. And I know that we were saying like when they filmed it, like they were miserable or whatever. But like the intentions and everything that went into it at the very least from fucking Sam Raimi and, you know, Bruce Campbell was like love. Yeah, because you can't At least that's my interpretation of, all of this. Yeah. You can't go through all of that like bullshit if you didn't have a passion and love for what you were doing, you know? You're not going to put your family's fucking property up for, you know, no. sale or whatever the fuck it was like in order to get this done if you don't have love for yeah, what you're mm-hmm. creating. All right. So, from here, Let's move right into the starting as a remake and then moving into a sequel, Evil Dead 2. Uh, now, this one very much feels intentional in the comedy, mm-hmm. in the crazy, in the camp. Um, it, it puts things up to a, a, a higher level. Um, it, it's just like you get everything. Actually, what was I saying? I was, ta- I was watching, I, I watched the second one with Cornelia, actually. I rewatched it with Cornelia. And... Um, what she goes afterwards, she had said like, "Oh, I used to think the Evil Dead Two is better," and then I rewatched the first one. And I was like, "No, the first one's better." And I was like, "Oh, I, well, I just rewatched the first one. I'm gonna watch the second one, I'll, and I'll finally have my say, you know, afterward." Even though I've seen them both before, because I felt similar. I was like, "I think the second one's better." And then after watching them back to back again, I was like, "They feel almost perfectly for me, neck and neck, like the same in a, in the best way possible," because it feels like. Things that maybe aren't quite present from Evil Dead that work, that aren't in Evil Dead 2, you don't miss because Evil Dead 2 is throwing in new shit in place of it that's just as unique or fun in its own way. So it's like, they really do like work perfectly for me as like partner pieces. I mean, obviously because they're like the same movie Mm -hmm. for a good amount. Um, But yeah, I mean, do you have a preference over it? Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2? I do. Uh, I mean, I know that a lot of people, a lot of people think that Evil Dead 2 is the better film. I mean, it did have mm-hmm. a higher budget, so I know they they had a lot more freedom to do things that they wanted to do. And they also obviously leaned into the comedy element of it a lot more in the second one. Right. Um, I wasn't sure which one I would have picked until I just did this rewatch, and I watched them back to back. And for me, as much as I do really enjoy both of them, I do think that the original is better just because for me as like singular films if I'm like looking at them individually the first film is so cohesive it just works from start to finish for me of like Mm -hmm. this is a story with characters I care about with really great effects with good scares with campiness you know it has everything and it feels very tight and like I don't really have anything I would change about the original film and in the second one if we're you know, if I was going to watch the second one without having seen the first one, which I guess is kind of what they were intending by doing a recap at the beginning, I don't think it really mm-hmm. works as well. I feel like if I went into that film not having seen the original and, like, 
just got the context from the first 15 minutes. I think I would be a little bit confused because I think it feels a little bit rushed. Um, and I also think that the side plot with the archaeologists and you know those characters, I don't care as much about them, particularly as I did about the cast from the first film. Um, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. the second film is amazing in its own way. I just think as a whole, the first one is a, a better made film, which is funny mm-hmm. because it had a lower budget. Right. I mean, I think, yeah, with the archaeologists and, like, that kind of group, I think the thing with that is, like, obviously in the first one, we're entering into all of this for the first time with everyone at the same time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, one, like, we've already established the first film, in theory, if you've seen it, and you already know who Ash, so it's already going to feel like you have more of a connection to this character. And then even beyond that, like, yeah, like, it feels like a good chunk, if not the first half of the movie, is, like, Ash alone in the cabin, like, losing his mind battling this thing. And you get, like, one or two, like, cuts to, like, oh, they're getting off the plane, they're heading to the cabin. But, like, and even then, by the time they get to the cabin, shit has already erupted. So it's not like we get the whole, like, sitting with them as they, like, do-do-do-do-do. It's, like, immediate, like deadites are on them so we don't have time to like give a fuck about them yeah like That's they're true. just like to add to the carnage and to add to like the issues ash is gonna yeah have they're to kind of with. there to kind of give to fill in the backstory as the film goes to make it right. feel more you know comprehensible but i will say that the sequel has some of my favorite effects and or just like moments i mean i would say mm-hmm. i have three particular moments that really stand out for me um mm-hmm that I think are like iconic and difficult to be topped, which is the first one happens very early on after he's decapitated his girlfriend where her body comes back out of the ground. And again, I believe it's stop motion again, where you have her like skeleton corpse dancing around in the moonlight and her head, she's like, you know, picking it up and like spinning and her head's not spinning. It's so good. I just like love that kind of visual. I love that kind of, practical effect i think it works really really well it's spooky it's creepy um it's you know it's sad he's like crying over the fact that he had to kill her and then watching her weirdly sensually dance as a, a skeleton with no head i love it um obviously the like peewee herman-esque moment where all the furniture comes to life and is like laughing at him oh my God. because he um, fe- he like broke I the can't. chair I'm sure that you'll want to talk about the taxidermy fucking deer head at some point. Um, Not even. You'll be shocked what I want to talk about. Okay. And then the I, I also have to talk about the deadite version of the girl's mother that is locked in the basement who comes oh, yeah. after him and is played by Sam Raimi's brother. I believe his name is Ted, um, mm-hmm. who I was reading that had like a horrible experience in all of that makeup. It reminds me of, um, did you watch I Think You Should Leave this season? Yes. You know that scene, that uh, skit where he's, he's like, like I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, when he's like at the yes. mall and all the all the uh, prosthetics and he's like, I got it. I'm ripping it off. That's what it reminded me of. Um, yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> it's so, she's like, his body is so bloated and disgusting and like, oh, it's so creepy and gross and it works just like, I think it's probably my favorite makeup of all of the films is okay. the dead, the deadite mother just like bloated and like crawling up towards him being like i'm gonna eat your soul i love it those are well, those are my moments going going off that last one you were talking mm-hmm. about something that i noticed about this film um this one came out in 1987 which was a pinnacle year for <laughs> horror because it was also when the lost boys was released um is that and once again i don't know that any of these 
are confirmed to be intentional or not. It's just things that I picked up on that like this movie seemed to have whether intentional or not, like, a lot more, like, references to other horror films mm-hmm. or, like, clear pulls of inspiration. Like, a few that I noted are, like, near the end of the film, before Ash gets sucked into the vortex, he, this, like, giant tree face monster thing is like, come through the window. Mm-hmm. It's, like, trying to eat him. Like, and, you know, so terrifying. What, debatably, like, oh, the most terrifying thing he, ex- he could experience. He gets loose from it. And he then has a Nancy Nightmare on Elm Street white streak through his yeah. hair. Mm-hmm. Which is then not present in the third movie at all. We just don't reference it at all. Um, but I noticed that. Right before that scene when the trees are starting to attack, it felt very poltergeist to me. With the trees outside, like, mm-hmm. attacking. Um, there's a moment when they're before, like, everyone else dies. Where I believe it's, um, what is, oh, I can't remember the female lead's name in this one. Annie. Especially if it's not Ash, I like don't remember it. It's Amy. Annie. Um, Amy, Annie. Annie. Um, Annie, I believe it's her father, like appears to them mm-hmm. as like a ghost. And he's like, you have to like kill them so I can like rest in peace. And he's giving us very like Pazuzu from The Exorcist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, but also like appearing, I don't think that this one was a reference, but like it made me also feel like he was like fucking Bob Cratchit or whatever the fuck ever from A Christmas Carol. Like, who <laughs> these chains it me a or whatever. like The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yes. That as well. Um, I also had that when Henrietta, who you were just talking about, um, comes out of the fruit yes, cellar um, at one point, she like turns into this kind of like snake head thing. Mm-hmm. And once again, this one is a reach definitely on my part, but it did remind me of like, I think it's called the three-headed Hydra or whatever from Hercules. Okay. Where it's like, you know what I'm talking about when he has to like fight those mm-hmm. motherfuckers? Like, kind of, what were you going to say? I thought you were going to say it reminded you of um, the Freddy Krueger worm in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. That too, though. That too, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we have when Ash has to saw off his hand, it's doing a very, like, thing from the Adams Family bit. Yeah. Which I guess anytime you have a severed hand, that's what you think of. Yeah, but um, did you notice that, that really great gag of when, uh, after he cuts off his hand, he puts it in a bucket and then he puts a bunch of books on top of it and the top book is A Farewell to Arms? Oh, yeah. It's genius. <laughs> it's, so, it's, that's clear. That's like a clear moment if you haven't picked it up on it at that yeah. point. That, like, this movie is leaning in mm-hmm. to, like, what's funny. But then specifically on Henrietta, she made me think of a lot of shit. So, yes, I was reaching with the Hydra thing. Sure, whatever. But, like, she gives me very much – it's funny that you brought up P.D. Herman prior to this or something else. But she gives me very much, like, large Marge energy <laughs> – um, she gave me very much, even more so, the corpse from the tub and the shining. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just feels like such an amalgamation of, like, references. But, like, once again, this movie, like, even if all of those are, like, unfounded, everyone is, like, absolutely not, that was not a reference to that, fine. It still stands on its own. It's just, like, at this point, like, it was years later. And, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with referencing other horror. I quite like it. I think it's really fun when you, like, reference other things. Especially mm-hmm. if you're referencing other things that worked in those other movies that I like. Like, yeah, give it, give me more of it. But, yeah, there, it's, I, I think, yeah, even though I, I feel that they're equal in my mind, I think I do have slightly more fun with Evil Dead 2. Um, just because... Oh, of that there's so many more gags. I mean, this is obviously the film when we get, because he has to saw off his hand, we get the chainsaw, hand, mm-hmm. arm, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and the iconic groovy mm-hmm. line, which, like, groovy. cannot be matched. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so good. Thank you. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, there's so many gags. And it's funny you brought up the blood because, like, I feel like there's so many scenes. There's still blood in this one, very much so. Mm -hmm. But it feels like there's also, like, black blood. And then there's also, like, there's definitely a point, I can't remember what's happening, but I wrote down that it was, like, very much, like, giving us Kid Choice Awards with, like, the green blood, Mm -hmm. like, getting slimed. Yeah, Um, that was was intentional so that he would get a better, um, like, an easier time with the rating, but it didn't work. (laughs) I think it ended up coming out, like, unrated or some shit. Yeah, he didn't get an X rating, but it was, like, unrated, yeah. Yeah. Which I guess maybe is better than X, um... In 87, yeah. I think now we can kind of get away with pretty much anything, but I think in the 80s it was a lot more difficult. Also, a moment that I have to point out, which was so funny, which once again just feels like it's done intentionally to be funny, is Ash is running through the house. We're doing like the like camera POV, like following him. So in, in, in a sense, we're the evil running after him. And he's running through this cabin, which obviously is a different cabin because as we said, after the first film was shot, it was burned down. So they recreated another cabin or what the fuck ever. He's running through this cabin and there are just so many fucking doors. When I was watching with Cornelia, I was like, we were like, why are there so many doors in this cabin? Like, how are we going to fucking cabin? <laughs> it's a big and cabin. just as we're saying this, just as we're saying this, and he's running through every fucking possible door, he just, like, runs into the wall. And when I say run into the wall, I don't mean, like, hitting the wall and being like, boink. Like, literally just, like, an opening in the wall. And then he's, like, within the walls, like, running through the walls like he's fucking Brahms. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I was just like, okay. So we're, like, inside the walls now, for sure. Which, once again, just feels like it's very silly. And we'll get to it when we talk about Arm of Darkness, but, like, this level of silly is what works for me. Yeah. Like, this where it, like, it just, like, it's, it's almost, it's effortless, it feels like. It seamlessly works. Whereas Army of Darkness, I'll hold off on going any further, but, like, doesn't quite do that for me. Well, yeah, I think that this film, honestly, at its, like, core for me, is just kind of a conduit for Bruce Campbell and his physical comedy. And... Absolutely. I, I think it's really just like a vehicle, like you're saying, <clears throat> for Bruce Campbell to show off like what he can do because he did all of his stunts himself. I, I think that he's, I forget if it was this film or the original, but he sprained his ankle like very early on in the I filming, think it was the first one. And yeah. he just kept going. And I mean, obviously, Bruce Campbell is an incredible actor. He's an incredible comedic actor. He's a great, incredible physical comedic actor. I mean, the sequence of him fighting his demonic hand We've seen it done in a lot of different films. I mean, Idle Hands, you get the scene in Fight Club. I mean, we've seen it before, but, like, it's done so incredibly. There's a moment where, like, the hand, like, pulls on him and he does, like, a full fucking backflip. It's incredible. I don't know how he did half the things he did, but those moments work for me because it's campy, but it's also impressive and it's fun and it doesn't feel, like, bloated or, like, it doesn't feel like it gets old because... By the time yeah. you might be kind of getting sick of one thing, they move on to something else completely ridiculous. Exactly. And it just, yeah, I agree. The The campy level in Evil Dead 2 is perfect for me. I don't need it any campier than it already is. And I think Army of Darkness pushes it a little bit past where I enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. But for this film, it's spot on. Yeah. And as... As once again, we'll bring up to Army of Darkness, but what works for me in these movies very well is the contained setting mm-hmm. of the cabin. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that adds to the, like, I guess in theory, like the horror of being trapped, but like 
it, it allows you to sit with the craziness better and appreciate it more rather than being in a grand scale like universe where you can move around and like go a bunch of different places mm-hmm. like when it's we're in this cabin and it, this evil won't let me leave it won't let me get out the front door it won't let me get through the woods the bridge is is fucked mm-hmm. um looking like a goddamn beetlejuice sculpture mm-hmm. like we're not getting through like so it's like you have to stay here and you have to deal with it and you can't escape it so either give in and die or like literally go to hell and back like that's what works for me about this um but from there to go back to something that you brought up as well that i it's my favorite part of the fucking movie of course it is is um of course you know me so well um when the house kind of comes to life and everything in the house starts kind of like moving and laughing and the first thing to do it is the taxidermy deer head which i will say when it was happening i was like okay love him he's a king <laughs> um i want one of those over like when people get like the singing fish on their yeah. wall like i was like no give me the taxidermy deer head that like just is like <laughs> like laughing yeah. the whole time of course please there was, there was a restaurant i used to go to all the time as a child i don't know i think it's probably just like a new england place it's closed since but it was called bugaboo creek and i was obsessed with it and they had Love this that. big taxidermied moose head that was like an animatronic and every like 20 minutes it would start like hey kids and it would do like this big song and dance and i loved it so fucking much as it reminds me of I love it. Oh my god, I, you ate that the fuck up, giving us very Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Um, but for me, what made this scene, and the first time I saw this movie, I was like, something about it clicked with me instantly. And I, when this time when I knew it was coming, when I tell you that I like screeched, like I was like seeing a celebrity in person when this oh my happened. God, what is it? My fucking favorite is the laughing desk lamp. Okay. I think he is everything. <laughs> he is the le- literally would lay down my life. He is the life of the party. He is giving us it all. He's just like he is giving very Pee Wee Herman. He's like <laughs> like mm-hmm. very goofy, and because he's like one of those bendy lamps, he's like bending up and down. And then there's a point when Ash is given into the crazy, and he's laughing along with them. He stands next to the lamp, and they're like having a moment where he like starts to bend his body too. Yeah, they like and a then dance they like, off. and then they stop for a second. And then they burst into laughter again like they're old friends. Oh, my God. Pixar lamp found dead in a fucking ditch. Like, <laughs> I love this fucking lamp. What I wouldn't give to own it. I would be its best friend. I would tell it. Literally, like, Alex, I love you with everything in my heart and soul. If this lamp came into my life, I'm going to be really honest with you. We cherish honesty here. I would replace you with this well, lamp. You know what? I guess I... Whatever I was planning on getting you for Christmas related to this lamp will have to be thrown away. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep this lamp far away. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love this scene. It's just like, once again, as I said, I feel like I'm a fucking broken record on this episode. But like, this is an obvious moment of like, we're playing into the camp mm-hmm. and the funny of it all. Like, what about this scene is like scary? It but- literally made me squeal with joy. Like, and I feel like, what else am I supposed to react like? Um, but Yes. Anytime that inanimate objects move or come to life brings me an immeasurable amount of joy. And I cannot quite explain it other than the fact that um, I'm unwell. Um, <laughs> but I love it. And I wasn't expecting it the first time I watched this movie. But it was a incredibly welcome surprise for me. Well, yeah. I mean, the first time you see this, you don't expect it to be as insane as it is unless you've been told beforehand. But I feel like the first film is... 90% horror with a lot of like humor that balances it well that maybe necessarily wasn't planned whereas the sequel 
is 90% humor that is then balanced and like kind of grounded by the gore that does come up throughout it. So mm-hmm. it feels a little bit like inverse of each other. Well, there's but. two more things. Okay. I wanted to bring up from this film before I move on to Army of Darkness. One of them, which I guess I want to get your opinion on it or like your understanding of it because mm-hmm. I I don't know. It's like it happens at the beginning and I'm like, okay, so they're establishing this as like a rule. But then I feel like it's not really ever brought up again. Is that like, because most of these movies take place at night. Oh, I know what you're like going to say. The shit hits the fan at night. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, after everything happens and when Ash is like possessed for the first time by the evil, he's like, it hits him like a fucking truck. Sends him flying. He lands in this puddle. He lifts his head up. He's got, like, the dead-eye, sunken eyes, all of it. But it shows us, like, oh, the sun is out. And then seemingly because the sun is out, the evil, like, either leaves his body or, like, goes dormant in his body. Um, So when this happened, I was like, okay, so they're establishing that the evil can only live in darkness. But then I'm like, I don't recall if there's ever another scene of them in the light. But then I feel like fucking, um, in, when it ends, obviously, and he ends up, um, in medieval times, which then ends up being redone at the beginning of Army of Darkness, um, it's daylight, it's broad fucking daylight, and a fucking winged deadite attacks, which I was like, okay, so they can (laughs) be in the light. Or is it they can't be in a human body in the sunlight? It's just like slightly unclear to me. Yeah, I don't think that he really gives you any kind of, like, rule to follow with that. Because, like, in the first film, at least, if you're possessed, it doesn't seem like you can really be unpossessed. It seems like the demon might allow the human side to come through briefly to, to like, manipulate you mm-hmm. or to... And, like, even in those moments, you don't know if that's really the person, like, taking control back of their body or if it's the demon pretending to be them. Um, so you don't really get, like, any kind of rule from it in the first one and then the second one when they do that when like yeah the first time I saw it when I saw that Ash was evil I was like oh well is he just gonna now be a deadite like I don't understand and then he got transformed back but then you know his hand gets infected from Linda's head biting him and it takes over and it has like the stop motion of the like the black lines yeah spreading out and he has to cut off his limb so that it doesn't spread throughout his body so you know, I don't think logic necessarily for me is clear throughout as like a, a through line for this. Um, but I, he's definitely implying in some sense that like maybe the demonic entity is more powerful at night. Just like, you know, yeah, in general. And like maybe back in 1300 AD, it was more powerful all the time because it was like, it, I don't think it had been like put to sleep and dormant yet at that point because like yeah in these films it's been reawakened so maybe it's not strong enough to be out during the day you know i think that kind of stuff could yeah. there's a lot of theories you could pose but i don't think that there's any direct answer unless we went to Raimi himself and ask exactly and maybe yeah. honestly he might be like oh, fucking yeah, he'd be like, oh, like fucking <laughs> i mean yeah, i wanted let's... i wanted to put bruce campbell in dead eye makeup and i did it right and I think, yeah, well, going on the logic of all that, like, what's great about these movies and what makes them perfect if you're, like, having a Halloween party, not for background noise, but if you want to, like, watch something, but also, like, something that isn't going to make you have to be like, everybody shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and watch the screen. Um, these are perfect because it's like, yeah, you don't need every, like, ounce of logic. You just need crazy, fun, like, shit. And that's what you're getting from beginning to end with this. The last thing you have to bring up, which I... Very much hinted at 
in the opening is I don't I don't dislike Ash. Obviously, we talked about this. I like Ash in the first one, but I just like him as a character. I don't feel anything for him. Um, but in this one, near the end, when he is a dirty <laughs> and he has his shirt ripped and he has his man titty out. <laughs> Let me tell y'all. Because I keep nothing from y'all, even if you don't want to hear it. Not, I am incredibly attracted to, like, a hairy man titty. And when I say man titty, I'm not talking about man boobs. I'm talking about, like, when I see, like, a man with, like, nice form, like, square pecs, I call it a man titty. It just makes me happy to call it that. You can um, call whatever you want, girl. I call them big titties. I'm like, that man has some big titties that I want to put my face in. Um, mm-hmm. So when I saw that hairy square titty girl, <laughs> I said – Interesting. I'm having thoughts. I'm having ideas. Um, give me more of this, please. Yeah. I and mean, you know what I will Cam- say? Army of Darkness mm-hmm. delivered on that. Yeah, Bruce Campbell is a very attractive man. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his eyebrow in the first one. And I say eyebrow because there is one eyebrow. It's one, yeah. Um, and I'm not a fan of one eyebrow personally. Um, yeah, I'm actually not pro. Like, hair is fine, but, like, I don't want, like, a, a Bigfoot type man personally. Um He's, You're not personally attracted to the unibrow. No, I mean I can deal with hair, but it's not like, uh, like in my pro column of like he is covered in hair up and down. Like, nah, let's keep it like a little bit clean. But you know, I think he's an attractive man. I mean, I don't really have anything like negative to say about his appearance uh, other than the eyebrow. So he's he's very jacked. He's he's the tall. He has dark hair. He's you know your your standard fucking final boy I think at this point yeah I mean I will say that I once again any way you want to live in your body is completely fine I am personally not particularly attracted to yeah I'm not attracted I'm not looking for like a bear Mm -hmm. like I don't need somebody that's like completely like covered in hair but like I'm also not looking for like the waxed chest whatever like I like the chest I'm not looking hair. for Ken. A Ken doll. No. Then, I'm sorry, Ken. I'm out of your league. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, anytime I see a, a delicious, hairy man titty, mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, cut me a slice of that. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Um, yeah, that was the last thing I wanted to bring up about the Evil Dead, too. Um, the most important thing for so, last. Th- yeah, of course. Um so now we will move into the third and final um, Evil Dead trilogy film, which is Army of Darkness. In my head, it's Medieval Dead, um, Me as too. it should be. Um, and yeah, as we already said, it opens up once again with a flashback of a different woman playing Linda. Um, and also, unlike the way Evil Dead 2 ends, where he gets to medieval times and he is like praised and they're like oh my god you're our savior from like you have a gun incredible (laughs) the army of darkness opens when he gets there where they're all like lock him up because he they think he's like what like the like opposing yeah kingdoms like one of their men and they're going to execute them um so very different um which at this point it almost feels like it's like do you guys just, like, forget what happens in the last one? Or at this point, is it, like, an intentional, like, hey, remember in Evil Dead 2 when we kind of just, like, redid shit a different way slightly? What if we just did that again? I think... Like, I think it feels like a little bit of a shtick, yeah. Um, but, like you kind of said at the beginning, 
I I kind of unfortunately felt a little bit going in. Like I was like, I don't know that I'm gonna enjoy this just because in general, horror or not horror, not that I've really watched a lot of horror that takes place in this time period, but I, I, I don't care about medieval times. I, I'm not invested in stories that really take place there. Like the closest I think you'll get to me being invested in something like that is like, if the medieval times is like, like fairy tale, like kind of like uh fantasy kingdom type shit Mm -hmm. not that this is all taking place in a real kingdom but like you know what I mean like that shit I'm like for sure I can get behind that I like that I can fuck with that like this kind of just like medieval times I'm like no save it I don't need it like I like Game of Thrones and that's as far as I'll go Mm, yeah but I mean I mean things like that like it's just like there's exceptions to the rules and also like they have a lot of other things working for them yeah like uh, an extremely hot cast, um, <laughs> lots of incest. Where I, I feel like that's maybe missing a little bit here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like as you kind of pointed out with your recap, the first half is kind of this establishing where it's like he has to like clear his name that he's like not one of these men. Mm-hmm. Um, the most blood we get is at the beginning, pretty much when they throw him into like the deadite pit. Or before they throw him in the night pit, somebody else gets thrown yeah. in, like, the cannon of blood gushes mm-hmm. up. Then he goes in, um, fights a pit bitch, which is what yep. they called her, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, is triumphant or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think the big thing to start talking off, because we already talked about it and then saved it, was um, kind of Ash. I mean, there was a few things, but Ash and um, his behavior, because... It's clear from the beginning of this. It starts out with Ash already doing, like, a voiceover, which we don't get in the other films. So it's clearly, like, obviously Evil Dead 2 is also, like, very much an Ash vehicle. But, like, they are very much, like, this is Ash's movie. This is Ash's story for this Mm -hmm. third one. Very much establishing that. We get, like, quote-unquote, like, what would be a flashback of, like, when he used to work at this, like, department store type thing or whatever. So at first I was like, okay, makes sense. Like, as I was saying, like, they're trying to give us more of who Ash was, you know, his journey, his character arc. But then, yeah, it's kind of, like, immediately, um, you know, he's kind of, like, an ass in this. And I I don't love it. Well, the first time I noticed it was I was, like, he clearly – there's a scene um, before they go into the pit. He's talking to some guy, and he has, like, attitude more. And I was, like, okay, like, I'm not opposed to, like, you know – being a little sassy and like you know having a little more oomph behind the shitty saying like that's fine so I was like okay they're clearly leaning into that but then there's a scene after since he's like cleared and he's like a, a champion now because he can kill the deadites he's like sitting in this chair lounging he's being like fed grapes or what the mm-hmm. fuck and um the princess or whatever who prior because she thought like everybody else he was a bad guy she didn't, like, slap him or anything, but he was, like, in, like, the stockade-type shit. And she was kind of shaking him, like, you're evil, blah, 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 She comes in, and she literally, she's, like, on her fucking knees, and she's, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize. She's not asking for anything, from what I recall. She's literally just, like, I'm really sorry. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize. And very, like, fuck you, bitch. He's, like, oh, like, before you wanted me, like, dead, and now you're trying to, like, oh, now you want to kiss me. He says, first shit. you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. And I hated it. Yeah, and it's just like, but then there's another scene when he's like, it's close to when he's gonna like leave to go get uh, the Necrocomicon or whatever the fuck you say it, um, and like he's telling her off like again, and then he's like, but then all of a sudden he like pulls her into his arms and he's like, whatever he says like, give me some sugar, baby or whatever, mm-hmm. which like made me like shudder. I was like, 
it's that Shut behavior up. that I don't love. It's I I don't like it, and it's like once again I get it. I get the attitude of like I've fucking been through of so course, much. yeah. And it's like the like I'm over it. But once again, as I said, once again, bring up something we paused on. What works about these movies is being trapped in the cabin, the deterioration of the sanity. Cornelia made a point when we were watching it where she was like, he looks too well rested in Army of Darkness. <laughs> like true. he gets too much time to like take a nap, actually get some sleep. And it's like, that's not what works. What works is like every time he thinks he's finally defeated it, yeah. 10 minutes later, they're like, stupid bitch, we're going to get you again. And like just putting him at his wit's end. It's like when he gets time to rest and like register, like I'm over this. Then like that's the attitude that we carry through the rest of the film where it's like, ugh, I'm just going to get this fucking stupid book and like then I'm going home. And it's just like, I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. I feel like we, this is the first film where we actually get some kind of character development from him. And I don't think it's a really a positive development because like you were saying I completely will give leeway for the fact that like he has just gone through you know a fucking night or two nights of trauma and horror and he's probably exhausted and he is like at his wits end and then he gets transported back to 1300 and he's dealing with all these people who don't understand that he came from fucking 1987 and you know they're trying to kill him like I get it I would also probably be pretty standoffish and pretty bitchy all that's fine I get that but what I don't like about his character in this film are two things. One, the misogyny towards the women, like we were yeah. saying. I mean, both examples that you provided were things I was thinking about. And then my biggest one that really like solidified that I did not care for this character um, or this choice with the character was near the end when it's everything's pretty much over and she is kind of trying to figure out why he isn't like up, like in love with her. And he says something like, she says, like, oh, you said all those, like, nice things to me before, but what happened? And he goes, oh, well, that's just called pillow talk, sweetie. And I'm like, so you told her what you think she wanted to hear so you could get what you wanted. Cute. I love that. Mm -hmm. I just, like, there were so many, like, little moments sprinkled throughout like that that made me just go, mm, no, not, not great. Not a great look. But I also don't like the ego that I think he gets in this film, which I mean, mm -hmm. he should have a big ego because he's fucking destroying these deadites. He's clearly very good at it, but like mm -hmm. he kind of talks down to everybody around him and he acts like he's this big king that like they have to worship and they have to like do everything for him and he can't be bothered to, mem to remember the like three word incantation that he needs to know to save everybody's life. Like it's just too much work for him. He's like above it. And I just get, like, a sense of entitlement a little bit from his character in this film. Mm. Um, you know what's which so we don't interesting? Love. That we brought this up for the first movie. I feel like we were just like, oh, interesting. And now that we've had this discussion and I kind of had this moment of thinking about it just now, such an interesting point to make is that he's a final boy. We don't mm -hmm. get them a lot. And if we get them, it's usually a one-off. We don't get a lot of final boys that have a trajectory over multiple films. Think about all of these movies with final girls, just in general. But then let's talk about the movies specifically, I guess, with final girls that last multiple films. I really cannot think of one where they act like this. Where no. they act like my ego is so much better. They Multiple things happen. They either um, went back to a normal life, like, okay, kind of still themselves. They get fucked up again. Two, 
they've gone into hiding and they're like, I, don't, I just don't want anyone to bother me. Like, please, I just like, want, they're, they're desperate for a normal life again. They don't want to bother anybody. Or three, they become hardened, which to a certain degree, yes, what happens to Ash, but they don't become hardened in a way where it's like, I'm owed things or blah, blah. It's more so hardened and especially because just the reality for women where it's just like we, you constantly have to prove yourself in a male-led world um, where it is just like this hardness of like, I don't need to fucking prove myself to you. Like, I've been to hell and I've defeated it once if not multiple times. Get the fuck out of the way. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not energy I have an issue with. It's, yeah, it's this ego of like, "Mm, stand back, ladies. Like, I've got it covered. Like, you're just like some broad or whatever. And like, I yeah. And it's not interesting. It just makes sense, unfortunately, that of course that would be the trajectory for a male final boy to get to where it's like, oh, look what I've accomplished. Who's going to suck my dick now? <laughs> in which we're like, oh, a female character yeah. does it, covered in blood in the same way at the end, and it's just like, just leave me alone. Could you imagine? I just want peace. Like Sydney Prescott fucking making people bow exactly down to her. Exactly what I was like, thinking of. Exactly no. what I was thinking of. Sydney Prescott, literal fucking legend icon, would never do this. She did exactly what I'm talking about. She literally was like, w- fucking second film, went back to her normal life, got mm-hmm. fucked again. Then in the third film was, like, in hiding, like, whatever, like, please just let me have a normal life. Or she's on this, like, hell pot line or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in the fourth film, like, yes, sort of back to a normal life. But still, like, yes, she was starting to be, like, cashing in, but not even really because she has, like, a book. But, like, when it comes to, like, oh, Ghostface is going to try it again. Like, there's just, like, you will not take this bitch out. Like, she's over your shit. Yeah. And, like, she has her sassy remarks to the killer of, like, fuck you. But yeah, it's never it never bleeds into like other people around her. Exactly. Like, exactly. Do you know what I've done? Like put some respect on my name. Yeah. She has like her power, but she's using it to help other people. Exactly. She's using it to empower herself. She's not using it to like belittle or talk down to anybody else, which I feel like is a little bit how he is in this film. And you know, anyone that says we're reading too far into it, we're being like dramatic. Like I get that this is a campy, silly, fun movie, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm not gonna root for somebody a thousand percent. Yeah. If, if that's the behavior that they're providing, I don't. I don't support Listen, it. Listen, I have no problem with campy, obviously, or silly, fun movies. I have no problem with male-led movies. I don't even have a problem with the occasional joke where, like, you know, the butt of the joke is the woman, as long as it's not like in an offensive manner. Obviously, yeah. like, but yeah, it's just like exactly you're saying. Like, I know that it's silly. I know that it's not meant to be this like real like deep dive into like you know female and male like relations with each other and like power structure anything like that but it's just like as two women watching this yeah you, you, I'm not gonna not see it and think about it and yeah like if you expect me to come to the movie and like have fun with the lead don't give me like multiple occasions where it's like if it was one I could be like okay didn't love that but you know what I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear it moving on um you know what's so funny such a random comparison to make but and there might be people that don't agree with me, but I just rewatched um, Kingsman, the first Kingsman movie, which I, I like. I think it's fun. I think it's, it is a goofy action movie, like silly, whatever. And I have, not that I think it's a perfect film by any means, but I have real no issues with it until there's a moment at the end of the film. I know exactly like, what you're talking about. Where there's a princess locked in a cell. She's like, get me out, get me out. And Eggsy, um, Taryn Egerton is like, 
oh, well, like, yada, yada, yada. Like, I, sorry, I got to go, babe. Like, I got to save the world. And she, mind you, he could have just run away. And we'd still be like, we get that, like, you know, she, he's going to go back to her at the end. Like, he'll get her out. They'll kiss. What the fuck ever. They'll, ooh, go in a room. Like, that's all I need to see. They literally have this bitch through the window of the fucking door be like, if you save, if you save the world, we can do it in the asshole. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, it, he pauses and he's like, okay, I'm going to go save the world. And I literally was like, what? Yeah, it's so weird. And then, if that's not enough, then at the end of the film, when he's still wearing his, like, spy glasses, and, like, whoever the fuck is, like, watching him, I was like, actually, where, where are you at? And it just shows, like, his point of view, and it's her, like, lying down on the bed, top still on, but her bottoms are off, so it's her bare ass. So presumably it's like, he's about to put his dick in her ass. I was like, what the fuck? Why did we need that? And it, like, angered me, but because it was, like, like these unnecessary, I want them taken out, like moments at the end of the film, I was like, okay, blocking them out, <laughs> moving along. Whereas, like, unfortunately, in the Army of Darkness, it feels like the Ash attitude like bleeds through a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Just the attitude in general of like the like, yeah. and then yeah, the like the three or so moments of like saying shit to this woman. Well, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. The la- the last thing I want to say on this specific topic is just that I also think that the time period that this film is set in also adds to the me not enjoying it because, you know, in 1300 AD, I'm sure that these women were far more subservient than they would be in 1907. Oh, yeah. And I feel like he takes advantage of that instead of, like, being, you know, the hero, gallant man who, like, is respectful. I feel like he kind of takes advantage of the fact that, you know, she will kind of do anything for him and, you know, that he is going to be this, like, powerful person that they all look up to and I think that the only time that he kind of finally you know puts his ego aside and does help them I kind of think he only does it because he's lost the like love and devotion of the people when they realize that he's kind of being a dude like a dick and they all start to like leave him and then he goes oh well shit I need them and then he's like okay well I'll be a good guy now right yeah um Sorry, we should talk about good things about this film, though, because I do enjoy parts of it. I definitely do enjoy parts of it, but one thing I wanted to mention, because we also brought it up, and this is very brief, is just, like, the goofiness of this film. Mm-hmm. And kind of hand-in-hand hand to something else I was thinking where it's, like, I get, like, the understanding of, like, you know, why would you want Evil Dead 3 to be the same exact film as Evil Dead yeah. 1 and Evil Dead 2? I get it. I get it completely. Um so it is interesting that it's like, what if we take the concept of Evil Dead with Ash and Deadites and put it in a different setting? I completely get the train of thought. I get it. And I get why people like this movie. I, as we said in prior episodes, like, just because we don't like something or we feel a certain way, there's nothing wrong with you liking it. Like, of there isn't. So. It's basis of opinions. Um, but for me, it's just like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can argue that, but it's just like, it's it's the equivalent of like when you take you know Michael Myers and it's like what if we took Michael Myers or like rather what if we took fucking Jason Voorhees who's like the Camp Crystal Lake killer and put him in outer space or put him in Manhattan and I know people like those movies and there's nothing wrong with it but there's a reason I feel like largely they don't work mm-hmm. is because like sure interesting concept I know nothing's wrong with playing up that goofy idea what if we took Ash and put him in medieval times like sure but it's not, there's a large possibility it's not going to work as well because what's key to that formula and what you like about the evil dead is ash in the cabin. Like, mm-hmm. that's what works. And yeah, the goofiness and the fun of this movie don't feel as effortless as they do, even let's just say specifically in Evil Dead 2. Like, 
it just feels much like where the goofiness and the fun come in where it's just like the crazy gore and the monsters and blah 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 like nonstop of like Evil Dead 2 where that works in this one it's just like it's trying too hard it feels like to be like Monty Python and or even with like the fucking scene with the mini ashes like fucking mm-hmm. Gulliver's Travels yeah where I'm just like you know I just finished saying that I, I, I love a referential moment not to movies that aren't horror movies within this horror movie this iconic horror movie franchise like I don't need like the like oh silly ashes blah 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 like yeah I think it leans really like far into slapstick comedy because like even when Ash like I think my favorite part of this movie is when the small Ash goes into his body and then it starts to like grow out of his shoulder with the eyeball and then it like he becomes like a conjoined twin of himself and then they pull each other apart and then they become two people, but when they're connected to each other still, there's like very much a, like a Three Stooges vibe yes. going on where like they poke each other in the eyes and they're like, oh, what are you doing, man? And they're like hitting each other and it's just like, it feels, Three Stooges feels like Abbott and Costello. I feel like I'm not really, this isn't the vibe I want with my Evil Dead movies personally because I feel like he kind yeah. of is taking a step back from the horror elements and just kind of going full steam comedy. Yeah, I agree. But to... Not harp on negative issues yeah. because even though it sounds like we're like, I, I fucking couldn't stand this movie. Like, I don't feel that way. I didn't feel like I was like, this is fucking god awful. I will say personally for me, I was losing steam. I was like, oh, this is disappointing. And then the skeleton army shows up. And when I tell you I was living, debatably just as much as I was living for the desk lamp. Wow. Um, because... They show these skeletons, and I was like, already I see a skeleton, and I'm in. I'm like, sure. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yes to everything that's happening here. Um, but then they have skeletons, because they have they definitely have, like, guys in suits that are wearing these, like, kind of, like, skeleton, rotting corpse type look, which is mm-hmm. all fine and dandy. But then they have full, just regular skeletons that are, like, puppets that they're puppeting. Oh. My. <laughs> God. I... I hollered every time I saw one. I was just squealing. I was like, I want a whole movie. What I, Evil Dead 4, what I would have wanted is Ash wakes up in a world, but it's just him and all the skeletons. Yeah, that's very up like, alley. Um, I don't need a single. It's like the Muppets, except all the Muppets are skeletons and the only living human in it is Ash. Okay, yeah. That's that's what I wanted. Um, But yeah, I and then I've seen this gift before and I forgot about it and I never knew what it was from. Where the the army is marching in to, like, battle. Mm-hmm. And they have a skeleton, like, you know, band, like, playing. And they have a close-up shot of one skeleton just holding, like, a normal-looking bone. But he's holding it to his, like, skeleton mouth. Like, it's a flute. And it is serotonin release, like, un- <laughs> unmatched. I was just, like, I floated out of my body. I literally felt like I felt my soul go to, like, a higher plane of existence. I love I was, that. like... Wow, I don't think I've ever seen it was equivalent to seeing fucking Kermit riding a bicycle in the Muppet movie. Where you're just like, this is what joy is. This is what it means to be happy. That's so interesting. I think we have like not that I don't like the skeletons, I don't want you to get offended. Um but <laughs> I think it's interesting because for me, the first half of this movie works better for me because it is a lot of like Bruce Campbell having physical physical comedy, like mm-hmm. the the silliness, the campiness. And then I think once he gets the book and then he goes back, that's kind of where I get bored of it. I find it gets a little bit old at that point. And also, I'm just not really Mm -hmm. a fan of, you know, 
fucking sword battles and i feel like a big chunk of the the back half is them fighting off these skeletons so i think i always have a really good time the first like 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and then i kind of go okay i'm sick of this and then i don't really enjoy the back end of it where it seems like maybe for you the camp at the first half was a little bit overdone and too Mm -hmm. like in your face to like referential to older comedies and the back half because it has your skeleton voice was like yeah, redemp- it's a redemption for you that yeah you prefer the the beginning and i for the end um but i think aside yes the skeletons and you know the skeleton band but like it's also so funny to me the moments like yeah the sword fighting like whatever i'm like it's passing through me i don't care but like there's so many shots of the fucking stupid skeletons where like they're like shooting like a fucking like something at them and like the skeletons like see it and so they have a close-up of the skeleton and like right before it hits them they're like no and then like as they're screaming it like hits them and they explode into bones and it's just like that to me was like so beyond funny like just like getting cut off mid-scream but it's also a skeleton. Mm-hmm. And then, like, at the end when they're retreating, it's just, like, three skeletons running by the screen. They're like, let's get out of here. I was yeah. like, yeah. I, I, and I'm sure it comes from my love for, like, the Muppets and all that Jim Henson shit. But I'm like, Jesus Christ, please. Skeleton puppets? Yes! <laughs> I love them. I love them and I would lay my life down for them. Well, you shouldn't because they're already dead. <laughs> So they should lay their bones down. They, one of them had, like, a line when they captured, like, the princess or whatever. Um, and they, like, turned her into a dead eye. And they, like, she appears for the first time. And, like, one of the fucking stupid skeletons in the back was like, there's a site for sore bones. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, like, when they're trying to, like, like ram into, like, the, the moat mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck, the castle. Like, they're like, put your backbone into it. <laughs> like, just the stupid fucking bone puns. You do love a good me. skeleton pun. I love a skeleton pun. All right. Well, unless you have anything else you would like to add, I think we, this would be a great time for us to move into our cue and slay. <laughs> um... Yes, yeah, so for this Q&A, because this is the um, first time we... This is obviously not the first episode we've done in which we cover multiple movies, but the other ones we've done that in have been mini-sodes um, in which we do not do Q and Slay. So this will be our first Q and Slay in which we're doing multiple movies. So um, when we ask these questions, it will be overall for the mm-hmm. trilogy. Yeah. So you can pick from any of the movies. Obviously, I know sometimes we have like, oh, I can't decide between two. So obviously, you're we're always welcome to pick, you know, more than one answer. But for anyone listening, that's how we're going to do it. So instead of doing favorite kill for each movie, we're going to do overall for the trilogy like that uh do you want to go first you want me to go first um it doesn't matter you can go first okay so what's your favorite kill all right um well i have two so i will go i'll start say one and then after you say your other one maybe i'll follow up briefly um i would say that my first kill my favorite kill is the first kill of the series which is shelly because she is the i mean she's technically the second person to become a demon or a deadite because Cheryl becomes it first and they lock her in the basement. Right. But when Shelly becomes one, she attacks the men. And it's just a really, really long sequence of them fighting. And it's the first time that, you know, you're getting the, like, full gore camp. You have Cheryl in the basement, like, cheering her on, screaming, which, like, adds a level of, like, really creepiness. But what I love about it is that they cut off part of her hand but it like not fully through and so instead of i don't know i don't know what she would have done but she just like bites the rest of her hand off of her wrist 
And I think it's so vicious and disgusting. Mm-hmm. And then her hand is like still gripping the sword that they then stab her with. And yeah. the whole time this is happening, she's like screaming this like awful guttural cry in this like demonic voice. And then eventually they just like hack her to pieces. And then when she's like fully dismembered, they show all of her like limbs on the floor and her head. And it's still like twitching and moving around. And I just think it's such a great moment. It's just a great scene of practical work. And it's the first moment in the series we really get to like see the carnage of it. And I think it just like sets the stage perfectly for the rest of the series. Well, it's such an important moment because um, for both the movie and for Ridley Ash's character, because this is um, Scott's girlfriend. Yes. And he's the one that axes her. So it's the first moment that like they realize that like, because they, like, they haven't taken Cheryl's life, obviously. They're like, she's not right. Just put her in the basement. Put her in the basement. Where like this one is attacking them so they have to kill her they don't have any other choice so it pushes them into that place of like there is no turning back Mm -hmm. like we've killed somebody now and for ash's character he literally is like she's our friend blah 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 because like scott like told him like kill her kill her and he's the one that takes the axe finally and like kills her and it's kind of this moment of like scott's the first one to take charge in the sense of like we have to do something which I think is, like, it's a definitely a final girl trope that we see a lot where, like, she isn't always going to be the first one to run to battle. But it's through, like, being put through it time and time again that she realizes she's going to have to step up to that place. And that's mm-hmm. what Ash does in the end when it's just him and he's like, it's me or it's them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really a pivotal kill, obviously, in mm-hmm. the entire thing. Um my favorite kill comes in Evil Dead 2. And the great thing about these quote-unquote kills is that they often come in multiple steps. Like, it isn't just one and done. It's like, we killed them this way, but then they came back, so we had to do this, and then we had to yeah. do this, and we had to do this. Um, you already talked about it slightly, um, but in Evil Dead 2, when we get the redo of Linda's death, um, immediately it's like he decapitates her, and it's like so quick, and then he buries her. And then she rises from the dead, as you said, and she's this stop-motion body giving us very much... It reminded me, even though this came later, of that scene in Corpse Bride when she's, like, waiting for Victor to come back and she's waiting in the woods. And she's, like, dancing in the moonlight. Like, that's what it reminded me of. She's giving us very much skinny legend. Um, oh, yeah. Love it. Um, and then when she rises again, like, her head ends up in Ash's lap and she's like, hello, lover. <laughs> like, it's just so good. And then... To end it all off, which is the best part of her, like, demise to me, is when Ash brings her to the shed. He, like, puts her head in the thing and whatever. She's like, don't kill me, whatever. And it's just her head. Then her, like, body reappears with a chainsaw that, like, Ash is, she's going to kill Ash with. Um, And he, like, hits her with, like, a crowbar or whatever. And then, like, it's just, like, this, like, (laughs) it's, like, a classic bimbo moment. Um... Where then, because she got hit, the chainsaw turns back on her and she's still holding it. And she's, like, chainsawing her own body in half. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, like, decapitated body with a chainsaw running through it. And it's, like, shaking violently, blood everywhere. Uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's this second or when he goes in in on the head that we get the splatter of blood on the light bulb Mm -hmm. and then turns the whole cabin red. I love that moment. Just the visual of the decapitated body with the chainsaw in it is epic. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And all that stuff happens literally like she dies six minutes into the movie. Oh, yeah. You're fucking jumping in. It's, yeah. I That's a great death. I love that one. It's literally an 84-minute movie and they don't waste a minute of it. No, they don't. That's a really good one. Um, My other one was also from Evil Dead 2. Um, and it's very, you know, basic, but I just loved the effect of it because I do think that there are a lot of, um, a lot of the kills in Evil Dead 2 are kind of off screen. Like, her death specifically when he chainsaws her head 
you only see the shadow of it on the yeah. the shed. And I think there's another moment later on where they do again, they kind of like show it through shadow, which was uh, an attempt by Sam Raimi to, you know, have an easier time with censorship. But the right. one moment that you really get blood is um, this guy, Jake, who has helped the archaeologist and her friend come to the cabin. He gets... He gets stabbed initially by Annie, who is the archaeologist's daughter, by mistake because she thinks it's a deadite. And then she mm-hmm. like, drags him in trying to save him, but unfortunately puts his head very close to the cellar door. And Henrietta opens it and just like grabs his head and pulls his body down while Annie tries to grab his legs and like pull him back up. And right. then you just get a moment of like a geyser of blood just like shooting out of the cellar. And it's yeah. really like Jaws like... You know, you're trying to save someone, but just like the water becomes just blood. I love that. I think it's so fucking disturbing because clearly he's just being like ripped apart. Yeah. And it's effective because you don't have to show it all. But like the way the blood shoots out, I get exactly what's happening. And it's Mm -hmm. I just thought it was so good. I think it's my favorite of that film, at least, because it's very it's it's quick, but it's, it's impactful. Yes. Yeah. I agree. What is your favorite line? Favorite line. It's tough. Um, it is tough because I mean, obviously, I was not going to put groovy just because, like, that felt to me like obviously, mm-hmm. like, right, like that's the best line of the whole fucking series. Right. Um, I had a few, so as you did, I will say one of them, and then if you don't say any of the other ones, I'll bring them up. Okay. Um, but one that I liked once again from Evil Dead Two is I believe it's Henrietta's head. I don't remember exactly. I, I'll say it's Henrietta's head. Someone might know that it's not. But it's a decapitated head on the floor, and, like, Ash is standing over it. He has uh, the shotgun at this point. And the head is like, I'll swallow your soul, I'll swallow your soul, I'll swallow your soul, and then puts the shotgun to the head and is like, swallow this. Which is just, like, iconic. <laughs> Love it. Um... It's so funny because this reminds when I watched Evil Dead 2, I don't think you ever watched this show, but regular show mm-hmm. um, has an iconic episode. I love regular show, but they have an episode where they're hosting like a movie screening in the graveyard of the park um, and they're watching, I can't remember the name of the movie they're watching, but it is literally Evil Dead 2. It's just called something else and it's animated. Mm-hmm. And like they have this guy that looks like Ash and like he has to kill his girlfriend and he has like all these like great one lines and like it's clearly like spoofing on shit like groovy and like mm-hmm. swallow this. And once again, just like speaking of the impact these films have had, even into like fucking cartoon media. Um yeah. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um yeah, that was one of mine. I wrote it down a few because yeah, I'm not really a huge one-liner kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, I obviously love the groovy because it it's fo- it's followed by – the reason that the groovy line works so well for me is because it's the moment where he is connecting the chainsaw to his hand for the first time and, like, sawing off his rifle. And then it does that, like, quick push-in that Sam Raimi does up to his face. And then he goes, groovy. And it's just, like, the whole thing together really makes it work for me. Mm-hmm. But, like, none of the other one-liners, like, really jump out at me. So I have – two because one is kind of just like not funny and then the other one I think it's a little bit funny um but one I just really liked in Evil Dead 2 is when um Annie's friend Ed who is the associate professor that comes he has become possessed and he Mm. floats up in the air and he says we are the things that were and shall be again ha 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 spirits of the book we want what is yours life dead by dawn dead by dawn and they all kind of yeah dead by dawn dead by dawn I think that's great that's really good super spooky like 
I don't want anyone saying that shit to me. Like, keep that to yourself. Um, but I think my favorite, favorite line is ironically from Army of Darkness. And it's one If of you the- have the same exact line, I'm going to be so gagged because you already said one of the other ones I had. If we had the same exact quote, Of course, be because it's the best line for me in Army of Darkness and it's the last line of the movie. Oh, or, it's not the No, it's when, it's one of the last lines at least. It's when Ash is back home in regular time and the Deadite shows up at the S-Mart where he's working where he goes... Uh, shop smart shop as smart which I think is a great little like consumerism catchphrase mm-hmm. but he sees the deadite and he stands up on a table and he points his rifle at her and he says lady I'm gonna have to ask you to leave the store oh and yeah she goes, it's who so are good. you and he says ash hardwares and I just think that's so fucking funny that yeah. like he's like I'm ash I work he's just so proud of his job like he's come back around from being kind of a uh, like a douchebag to being like I'm a really proud employee of S-Smart shop smart (laughs) and I love that for him um well also I think anything that is in relation to customer service yeah shut up you know it's like essentially when you think of like the Karens or whatever you just hope that there would be a moment that an Ash can step up and be like lady you're gonna have to leave the store. Like that's the energy you want. Yeah. Um, my other line was also from Army of Darkness. Near the beginning when they're standing by the pit and he's like talking to the guy that's like the leader of like the enemy army or whatever. And the guy is like is saying who he is. He's like, I'm the leader or what the fuck ever. And then Ash is like, This is the line where I was like, okay, so he's gonna be sassy in this one. Um, when he goes, Well, I've got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. And it's just so silly. I was like, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, man, like I said earlier, I don't think that there's like a ton of dialogue. And when it is, it's very like one liner, can't be like yeah. little lines. So I prefer the lines that are like very haunting by the demons being like, I'm going to swallow your soul and dead by dawn. Because I think that is very effective. But there are some one liners here and there that give me a chuckle. Mm-hmm. So. If you had a partner in crime for any particular reason in this series, who would you pick and why? This will be a short and sweet answer. Oh, it's going to be Deadite Linda because oh, I nice. want to sit on the floor with her and giggle and just have, she just had the, like, all the Deadites are fucking like vicious and like seem miserable and like angry and hostile and she's just having a good time. She's like twirling her hair and she's mm-hmm. giggling and she's laughing and she's like, hee <laughs> And I love that energy. I think she would be a great person to hang out with. And I just want to hang out with her. So I pick her. Only she's in the version. Yeah. She's giving us very, like, girl boss, decapitated legend. I mean, she literally rises from the grave to kill her boyfriend. I mean, yeah. that's so legendary. And I love that I also noticed that the, she has her eyelashes when she's in a dead eye drawn on her face. Does she? And she always like, reminded okay, me of, like, a doll come to life. I love it. Oh, yeah. She's, like, breaking barriers with makeup. Um, <laughs> excellent choice. Excellent choice. Mine, I feel like I already spoiled. Um, oh, it's the lamp. It's going to be the lamp. <laughs> and if I can't get the lamp, then it's going to be any member of the skeleton army, preferably the one that can play the flute. Um, yeah. And, I mean, do I need to explain to y'all why? It's no. called, I, I want to be happy for once. I want to have happiness in my life. So give me the giggling lamp. Oh my God, I would be pissing. I can just like imagine me in this room. Like n- nothing was said and like the lamp just starts to laugh. And like, you know, when someone else is like laughing, it just like makes you laugh. And then just like getting into like full hysterics. Abby Roberto out somewhere else in the apartment. They're like, is she okay? There's me like keeled over with this fucking desk lamp. Yeah, that's what I want. That's my partner. Will the desk lamp help me survive in this universe? Probably not. 
Which is why I also throw up skeleton puppet, maybe. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think hanging out with the dead is going to help me, but I'm glad that you can relate to Ash in that moment of just being, like, giving into the silliness and laughing. Oh, my lamp. God, yeah. I would be so filled with glee. That's so funny. All right. <sighs> um, so, I guess coming to my original question for you. Yes. Um, I was not quite sure where to go with this. So, okay. obviously, I'm, they have remade Evil Dead. Um, yes. I can't remember what year it was. It was in the 2000s. 2013, mm-hmm. maybe? 2012, somewhere like that. Um, which I'm sure we will do an episode we'll talk on. about. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, they've already remade that. But if they were to remake Evil Dead 2 with the same kind of tone okay. of, like, we want to do an updated version of this super fucking campy-ass movie... I would, I'm going to give you two options. Who would you love to see either direct that film or play the lead role, whether it be someone playing Ash or someone playing, like, I believe in the remake, you know, it's a female lead. Um, It's Jane Levy, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, regardless of gender for the lead role, who would you like to see either direct it or lead the film? Oh, jeez Louise. Jeez Louise. It's a tough one. Um... Oh my god, what a good question. Damn, that's hard, that's hard, that's hard. So you're asking me who I would want to play essentially the the version of Ashley in this. Yes. Um, shit. Like, who do I think could carry it? Who do I think has the fucking chops? I know. Well, as always, if you, if you want me to go first to give you time, I, I have an answer prepared. Oh, give us your prepared answer then, okay. for sure. Um, so yeah, I think that this person... I think that she has really proven herself over the years as somebody who is incredibly capable of doing a lot of physical action and doing it really well. And I've also seen moments in her films where she's really funny and she has really good comedic timing, but I don't think that, at least in what I've seen of her, she hasn't really had the opportunity to go kind of like full out comedy. So Mm -hmm. my pick would be Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Because oh I my think, god, I just was thinking about her the other day because I just watched Kate. I think that she is, I think she could do physical comedy so well if given the opportunity. And I I feel like I haven't seen her in that kind of realm yet. And I would love to give her a chance. So she would be my pick. And I think I would also cast Sam Richardson as like the second lead because he's just so fucking funny and I'm obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um... Of course, you know, Miss Joey King comes to mind, as always. Of course she does. Miss Miss Josephine King. And you know what? As I said prior, the places, derangement she goes to in these Kissing Booth movies doesn't convince me that she couldn't play this part. She um, is a great actress. Have you seen the act? Girl, of course I've seen yeah. the act. The thing is, like, Joey King could be in the worst thing imaginable, and I'm still going to support her. Yeah. Because she was nice to me one time. Yeah. Um, and that's all that matters to me. Um, fuck. That, like, didn't help me. I'm like, I don't know still. Um, I think that if I was going to go male route, I'll say this. If I think I was going to go male route, I would go Dylan O'Brien. Okay. He'd be great, yeah. Yeah, because in general, I just think he's a great actor. Not that you need to have, like, you know, Juilliard-level fucking chops to do this. But, like, I think that he's talented. I think that he definitely can go to, like, very silly, goofy places. Mm-hmm. He did so with styles. And I think, in general, no matter what project he is on, he puts full commitment into it. That's um, a great choice. So I would love to see that for him. Um, somebody, if I was going to go female, and maybe 
think of them when you were talking about before you said Mary Elizabeth um, when you're talking about like you know they can do comedic things they can also do like serious and they haven't been really given a chance to go like full balls to the wall is um they always pronounce her last name wrong uh Zoe Deutsch or Dutch mm-hmm. or whatever it is Deutsch. um I love her I, I love her crush too. on her I think that she's so beautiful and she's so cute um but she's also very funny like for me when I saw um Zombieland 2 which like in, in oh, no she's way so compares funny in to that. first Zombieland she makes that movie oh like, she's she so is good in that movie the, she's so fucking funny and like even then she's not doing like balls to the walls funny but you just like know once again that like if and she, I watched her in um this movie called Buffaloed yeah Buffaloed? Mm-hmm. um where it's it definitely it, there's comedy elements to it but it plays more like a drama like low-key like based on like a real story I think but like she has to be like kind of a little crazy or whatever so like I would love that for her and obviously when they cast Bruce Campbell like they had said like they had grown up you know on made movies together and when it came time to make something like when they got older they realized the girls like looking at Bruce so like you also with most movies or whatever you make the lead somebody that people are attracted to because that just makes it easier for people to root for them what the fuck ever um and she's gorgeous um oh yeah I love her I love her and Glenn Powell um so yeah my random answer for a female-led remake of evil dead 2 would be zoe deutsch baby i think both of those answers are excellent i would love to see a film with either of them as the lead yes for our final question which is my question um i had two but i'll go with my other one which is that um if like in evil dead 2 ash has to saw his hand arm whatever the fuck off and Mm -hmm. attach a chainsaw that's his new limb if you had to cut your arm or hand off, what would you want to replace it with? What what would you Ooh. want your new hand to be? Oh, boy. Um, okay. It's going to be a weapon, I'm assuming? It can be whatever you would like it to be. It can be anything. Anything <laughs> in the world, babe. But, but it might in the context of the film? No, this is just real life. I'm just cutting my hand off for fun. Girl, stop reading into it. Goddamn. <laughs> well, it's going to depend because I've, I've come to your house. I've broken in. I've cut your arm off because you refuse to answer this question. Replace it with something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, this is going to be, this might be a boring answer, but I would probably replace it with some kind of like <sighs> whisk. Because, I knew, I knew you were going to say a whisk. Oh my God. Well, because I bake a lot. And if I have one of my hands that I literally can just use. Yeah, I just like, I wish it could be an electric whisk, like a hand mixer. I don't know how that would work. But if I could somehow get an electric hand mixer shoved into my stump so that I could just make a batter with my left hand. It works the same hand. way that the chainsaw works, okay? There's no logic to That's it. That's a good, well, no, because a chainsaw doesn't have to be plugged in, but a, a stand, like a, a hand mixer does. But if I can get a this battery, is a battery operated. operated. Okay, <laughs> then I'm gonna slam that shit into my little bloody stump, and I'm gonna make you some cookies. Wow. Yeah. Mine, which I just realized unintentionally, I think is inspired by The Walking Dead, because I also was thinking like, okay, beyond weapon, like, what appliance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Part of me for for a minute, I was like a rake. <laughs> well, you know, because I'm, I'm always raking leaves, obviously. Did <laughs> I need a rake on my fucking arm? Oh, wow. And I was like, mm, that just seems like random. So I did end up going back towards weapon. And I think that I would want like a mace. Okay. Um, which I think the one guy, I can't remember their names in The Walking Dead half the time because there's so many and we're yeah. fucking 12 seasons deep. But it's the one guy, he's 
like the one one of the only like gay characters on the show he like lost his hand like he got bit at one point i know who you're trying to bring yeah and he has like now like i think he can like change it on and off but i'm Hell pretty yeah. sure one of them like is a mace and i just like like that because at first i was like oh what if i had like like a boxing mitt or something but i was like mm-hmm. to put on what my stub mm-hmm. um so the mace on the end of my hand where i could just be like <sighs> i could walk home in the middle of the night and not feel threatened just backhand a motherfucker's skull in yeah so i'm gonna go mace for a oh yeah nice very fun yes um and now as always when we end off the episodes and i won't forget like i always do we are going to do our rating system so for this one um we will go through i think for each film okay one two and three each say where you're landing one two and three on our rating system from busty blonde to final girl and that's how we will close out for our october episode so for evil dead numero uno from 1981 what are you giving it a rating of four stars boy next door i would say the same I would say the same. Amazing. Uh, Evil Dead 2, I give three and a half. So it's that dumb fucking football player who lives next to me. Um, I'm going to also boy next door it. As I said prior, yes. they're, they're pretty even to me. Mm-hmm. Boy next door. All right. And then lastly, the third installment, uh, Army of Darkness. Um, if I'm going to be nice, I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it a dumb jock. Um it just doesn't play as well for me personally i'm gonna be a little bit less nice and i'm gonna give it a two and a half and give it that jock who's smoking the weed they smoked on the set of evil dead that one and then couldn't use the take um yeah so i think overall um we would probably recommend that if you haven't seen them definitely all three you know absolutely we're completionists so like finish out the trilogy and as we said just because we didn't click with the third one doesn't mean you won't i have many friends that like the third one. Oh, me too. They, they think it's really fun. So, like, it is just a matter of opinion. And I think that you should always see things for yourself and get your own take on it. But, I mean, I think we're absolutely promoting, at the very least, the original Evil Dead. Like, it, oh, yeah. it's a must. It's a must for any horror fan. I'll say it's a must for any film fan. I mean, absolutely. just to be in the know. Um so yeah, once again, they're streaming on HBO Max. Make sure to add them to your Halloween watch list if they were not already on there. Um, as we said, hinted at a little bit, um, we will be probably doing a tangential tear off of this episode for the Evil Dead remake because we have thoughts and feelings about that bitch too. Um, and apparently there's also going to be, where did I see this? There's going to be a new Evil Dead movie called oh. Evil Dead Rise um, where... It's not going to take, from what I'm reading, very small amounts, it's not going to take place in a cabin in the woods. So already I'm like, stop it. Um, but we'll see. It's not, there's no release date for it currently. So I have no idea. Okay. Well, that's exciting. When it will come out. Um, but, you know, maybe between now and then I'll watch the show. Who knows? Um, but then Beyond Evil Dead, which is obviously our main episode for this month, we have some plans for some possible other stuff because it's October, baby. This and is when we're, we're really the most excited. Powerful. Exactly. And it's like we just kind of like go hard in October and then recuperate for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so get ready. We're going to keep you well fed this month. And we hope you have a wonderful spooky season, whether you join us for all our episodes or not. And as always, keep it creepy. Groovy.
Okay, bye! Hi, creeps, and thank you for listening to another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We would not be able to make this podcast, though, completely on our own, and we have some folks that we would love to thank. Um, first and foremost, if you've noticed, we have amazing new artwork, and we have to thank our friend Raymond Lowell, who commissioned it for us. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram and see all his other amazing art at RB Lowell. Uh, who else, Alex? Uh, we would love to thank, yet again, for another season, our lovely friend Nathan Graham who made our beautiful introduction music um, and he sings the Girls Who Cried Be Horror um, you can follow him at yes. instant underscore grammed like his name um, and you can also check out his podcast with our other friend Jonah uh, called The Commonwealth Yes, all good spooky content. And of course, if you can't get enough of us, we're on social media too. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, on Twitter at Girls Who Cried Be H. And if you really want to write us a whole novella, baby, you can send us an email at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror at gmail.com. We always want to hear your thoughts and opinions and your insight. Uh, And if you want to follow us individually on social media, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, I am at G-Way Forever. That is G-E-E-W-A-Y, number four, and then ever on Instagram. At agarity15 on Twitter. And uh, Anya Garrity on Letterboxd if you really want my uh, my film insight. Alex? Yeah, and if you want to check out the uh, three tweets and Instagram posts I do a year, you can check me out uh, yeah. at Alex Brandley. Because I'm very basic on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd. It's all the same. I'm just Alex Brandley. She makes it easy for you, folks. Yeah. She makes it easy for you. Um, but that's what we have for now. So we'll see you creeps next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The girls who cried be horror.